The MX Vice Show. MXGP is back. Welcome to episode 41 of the MX Vice Show podcast, which comes to you from Latvia, kind of. Lewis is in Latvia. I'm in studio with Rob from Jukebox Beats. There is a ton to talk about this week, and we are live too. The archive of the full show will still be available tomorrow on iTunes, Spotify, and all podcast streaming platforms. The MX Vice Show is brought to you by Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Yoko, Prox, Technical Touch, Hinson, KYB, Seven, Evenstrokes, Kawasaki UK, and Talon Engineering. Anything that you can do to support the companies that support us would be much appreciated. As you know, last week, Fly Racing came on as a new uh, sponsor of the show. And you may have noticed they are the title sponsor of the MX Vice post-race podcast as well. We are stoked to have the company as passionate about racing as fly on board at MX Vice. So hopefully you listened to uh, Lewis's post-race podcast from uh, Sunday night and you heard Fly Racing on there. Fly recently launched their 2021 line. Visit flyracing.com to see. And their all-new Formula Helmet is making waves across the world as well. Fly Racing has redefined expectations in safety and performance with the Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring rayon technology, conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's Advanced Impact System, AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1,290 grams, we believe the Formula to be the perfect combination of industry's leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the Formula helmet changed the game. Remember. FlyRacing.com is a place to go to see more from the guys there. On to the show. Lewis Phillips. Me. Hi. How are you, hey. uh, how are you coping over in Latvia? Yeah, it's fine. I'm very far away from you, which is nice. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm here. I'm happy, as you can tell. Well, it's nice to see you happy or hear you happy. Um, I'm actually got a, a little picture of you on the seat in front of me, just so I can see your face. Yeah, I can see. I just pulled up the video because obviously I'm not there and I didn't know what it looked like. And you just look like a sad little man, really. Wow. Wait, I can't, what? I... You literally, like, my video is just you sat there. <laughs> sat there well, I'm lonely, aren't I? Todd. Absolutely. I'm yeah. a, just a complete loner. So if you didn't know, I'm, I'm obviously not at the GP. Um, I'm not going to be going to the GPs this year, probably just a, a couple. But obviously, Lewis, Sean and Wes, um, they're there because they're obviously doing uh, multiple videos. And uh, what, what, what do you actually do, Lewis? You walk around? You, you have no idea, do you? No, you kind of do a couple of interviews. Yeah, it's best that you don't know what I get up to, because if, um, if you found out, you'd probably feel the need to give me a pay rise. So. <laughs> Yeah, never going to happen. Um, so one thing I, I, I'm quite curious about, because obviously we haven't spoke much. It's been pretty manic a uh, few days for both of us. Uh, what, was, what was it like trying to get into, obviously, to going through the whole process of going on to the, the flights and all the COVID measures and stuff? What was that like? Well, 
Last week on the podcast, I mentioned that I had to get my uh, corona test and that I was probably going to fail. Proud and honoured to announce that I passed with flying colours. I had to, it was a DIY test, which I wasn't too happy about. Okay. Pissed me off quite a lot. Right. Yeah, because like, obviously everything's better in America, even COVID tests apparently, because like you pull up into a drive-thru and they do it for you. Um, In England, you pull up to a drive-thru, they give you a swab, tell you to park up and do it yourself which just it's just the English way, really, isn't it? Um, but I passed that with flying colours, and then uh, I had to wait for the, um, I think I mentioned it last week, about the red, yellow, white country list for Latvia. Yeah. So and, uh, if people don't know, Lewis, um, we have like a communication system called Slack, what we use. And uh, I did actually think that we'd be sending some type of response unit to Lewis because he would got himself in quite a state. Would, would, would that be right, Lewis? Hello? Oh, hi. Yeah, I lost you for a second there. What, I, what was that? So basically, I was saying that um, on our communication uh, system, which is Slack, we, um, we were actually really worried about you last week because it looked like at one point we were going to have to send um, uh, a rescue team in because I actually thought you were going to well, have a stroke or a heart attack. Well, no, it was just, there was just a lot of stress because like, while we were flying on Friday midday, had England been marked as a yellow or red country, I would have had to land and then immediately book myself into a lab for a COVID test. And I don't know how to do that in Latvia, do I? And then I would have had to self-quarantine for a day. And that would have meant I mess- missed the EMX races. And I didn't want to do that. So it was all um, very stressful. But the good thing is, England stayed white by 0.3. So that was also Everything kind of went my way. I'm not going to lie. I got lucky because... Everyone else had to do a lot more than we did, pretty much. So was it right that the guys who came in from Belgium had to quarantine for a day? No, every, like people who had been in Spain, uh, Belgium, the Netherlands, uh, like basically every country that an MXGP rider is going to have visited in the last 14 days was a red or yellow. So they all had to go to a lab. It was all over everyone's Instagram stories, but they've all got to do like um, multiple COVID tests while they're here. Okay. But because England's a white country, uh, I don't have to do that until the list gets updated every Friday. So if on Friday they mark England as red or yellow, which is probably going to happen because we're like, I, I see that happening, then I will have to go through a lot of hoops for the Sunday race, like more tests. Uh, I think I might have to isolate for a day, maybe. I don't really know. Um, and yeah, but for now, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I made it a race. I was all right. All, all is good. All is good. Okay, and what about what, actually when you once you got to the event? What was the the COVID restrictions there? Because obviously the um, I've seen pictures. Actually, of the... before but before I get to that, we'll talk about Latvia itself. Oh, um, okay, because obviously before before I went to the track, I went into Riga, capital city of Latvia. I guess can't imagine they've got another city worthy of that. Um, and it's almost as if they've not got the news here and don't know what COVID is. <laughs> really? <laughs> what if what's going like, on? Well, well for, as soon as we got here, we were starving, so we went to McDonald's. Of course you did. And um, everyone sat in there, sat down. Like, everyone, like, there was, like everyone, it was just normal life, really. But it turns, so I, I was shocked by this, but it turns out that apparently Latvia is, like, ridiculously COVID-free or, like, pretty close to it. Okay. And that's why they're so strict with people coming in with the whole red-yellow countries thing, because they, they don't want us to, or other people to screw it up. Um, I guess no one really comes to Latvia, do they? So they're going to stay COVID-free. 
Brilliant. Have you got any more nice Spot. things to say about Latvia at all? What? I like Latvia. I'm on the tourism board. Like, listen to every other podcast. I love it here. Okay. I've actually told everyone how great it is to be in Latvia for a week. But how's the yeah. drive going to the track each day? Have you, oh yeah, that's you had enough. Drive and fuck off. <laughs> yep, that's shit. Because <laughs> they love the speed. They love the speed cameras here as well. It's, and as you know, um, on last week's podcast, I mentioned that I'd watched I'd watched uh, Formula One. So that's on my mind. Obviously, now I'm a Formula One super fan. Um, I'm driving to the track, and I just want I just want pure speed, but the uh, speed limits do not allow that. And they love a speed camera here. Like they've got two speed cameras within a minute of each other, but at different speed limits. So it's like just designed to make you fail. <laughs> I remember, I think it was about two years ago. There must have been what ten different riders all got caught speeding. Um, well, one year we were driving to a track and Tommy, had, we drove past Tommy who had been pulled over by the police. Do you remember that? Yeah, and I think, I don't know if we seen, I don't know if it was Bob Chef as well, but it was a couple of people. That was quite funny. Yeah, it's because it's just straight road in the middle of nowhere. I don't know, like, it's fine. No one's out there. <laughs> um, one thing I should say is the first half of the MXY show is brought to you by Talon Engineering, the industry leaders in aftermarket wheels and sprockets. Teams like Rockstar Energy, Husqvarna, Factory Racing in USA. Rocky Mountain ATV, KTM, Field Base Honda, and more put their trust in the same wheels that you can get your hands on. Get more Talon information at talon-eng.com. So, one thing I'm interested in, so reduced media center by the looks of it, less media there. Yep. Uh, what, was it the usual people or usual crowd? Was, cause I, yeah, it's just... It's just the people who have got a proper job to do. No <laughs> Facebook photographers and all of that malarkey. Oh, God. Well, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> okay. Um, and and me, um, we're touching that and then immediately backing away. Okay. <laughs> well, one thing I was going to say was um, so obviously the usual crowd, but what would the uh, what about the pits? Were the pits completely closed off to fans? Yeah, well, so they've got fans here, and because Latvia is COVID-free, the fans don't have to wear masks or anything, but we do. So anyone who's come with MXGP has to wear masks nonstop all the time. Right. Um, and we're kept completely separate to fans who don't have to wear masks because they don't have to because they live in Latvia, and it's amazing here, apparently. Ah, cool. Um, so, yeah, the pits is completely cut off, which is quite nice. Like, you can walk around quite freely. Um. And to, to be honest, it wasn't as strange as I thought it would be because obviously I was basing my expectations off of Supercross because obviously everyone heard lots about that and you know, in Supercross you weren't allowed to even stop to talk to someone at a team. But you can still talk to people in teams here and riders if you maintain your distance and keep masks on and stuff. You can't go into warnings and stuff, but you can do things. Like, don't get me wrong, like doing post-race podcasts a million times harder than it's ever been yeah like, i can't believe i got six on sunday because it was like just horrifically hard yeah but it's not as bad as you would think it's not like full-on lockdown um don't even look in anyone's direction don't like it's not like that because it was weird we had a press release last week wasn't it from kawasaki basically saying if you want an appointment with anybody if you want to interview with anybody you have to make an appointment so so I, I took it that it was going to be very, very strict. Well, that's just, it's just different strokes for different folks, isn't it? Like, they, Kawasaki felt the need to keep everyone safe like that and more power to them. Um, 
other teams. To be fair, all of the factory teams are probably the strictest. And as you would imagine, the smaller teams, not so much. Yeah. Okay. They're just Which is kind of the way it was always going to go in it because the factory teams have the most to lose and the most money on the line and all of that stuff. Sure. Okay. Sure. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So, the racing. The, what was the, the track looked particularly uh, hard? I, I've, see, I've seen, Latvia, the, obviously, the Kegum's track. I've been there a few times, and it's been rough. But I would say it's probably the roughest I think has ever been. Am I right? Uh, I don't know about the roughest it's been, but every rider I spoke to said it was definitely the sketchiest it's been. Okay. So, take off that what you will. So the most... uh, I think, well, I said it last week. People who haven't been to Kegum's or just kind of, gloss over the series a bit, we'll see Kegum's listed as a fan track and then immediately say, oh, okay, Lommel, Volkenswad level. It's not that at all. It's got a hard base. Um, therefore, we have square edge bumps. It's quite choppy. Therefore, leading to sketchiness. And I think because we're here in August, normally we're here in June, sometimes May, never July, let alone August. Um, the ground is even harder, the base is even harder, and that's leading to more of the choppiness, therefore sketchiness. Okay. I did listen to a couple of post-raid podcasts and hope you sat did down you for that one. The yes. first time ever. I know. I know. I thought I'd Did you like my fly racing intro? It was very good. Um, how many attempts? Thank you. At four. That's not bad. Not bad. Very good. No. I kept running out of breath. <laughs> like what, you passing out as you as you did the intro. Any- yeah, I kept gasping for air halfway through, <laughs> so I had to speak down again. Well, one of the things which obviously is, is difficult trying to watch um, on TV when, when, when you've been to GPs, you can obviously you're up close personal with, you know, with the action. You can see what the track's like. You can see what the ruts are like. And obviously TV doesn't give it too much justice. But there was one um, which I think uh, Jeremy Sewer kind of talked about was when he came over to jump and basically just stopped dead. And it, and it seemed like there was a transition between like really hard parts and really soft parts. And then the faces of the jumps oh. were deep ruts. Oh, no. We have your first mistake of the show. Oh, do we? Yeah. Okay. We should have a, I, need, I need a button so that every time you make a mistake, yeah. it goes like, pow. Do, do, we, do we want to bring up Koldenhoff yet, or do you want to, as we're talking about mistakes? I'm ready, I'm ready for that. Are but you? Anyway, Sewer was talking about the mistake, which I'm pretty sure they showed on TV, where he overjumped one of the singles. That's right, yeah. And landed in the, yeah, in the soft stuff. the ground being soft. Okay. I thought it was, uh, sorry, I thought when he overjumped, he, he hit the soft part of the run-up to the jump. Yeah, but kind of because, you know, like not because... So technically I'm not wrong. The track... No, technically you are I'm wrong because te- you're, no, technically I'm not wrong. You're being you're being a you're being one of those journalists who twists words to fit the story that you want to tell. It, isn't that being a journalist? No, that's being a dick. <laughs> 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 okay, so te- so tell me more of, of of your version. Wait, on what? Cold enough? No, we're not going to cold enough yet. I've got. Oh. Uh, we 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 need a whole section for that. Um, no, is it? I'm ready. I've got. I've got notes on Cold <laughs> Of course you have. This is why no work gets done because you've just basically spent half a day trying to prove me wrong. <laughs> that that is literally it in a, in a nutshell. I'm so stressed uh, with lawyer, work. I'm so stressed with work. But I've just spent the last five hours proving James wrong. 
my my lawyer has instructed me not to speak about cold enough until <laughs> an official statement is released on my behalf. Right. Okay. Because right now, I've pro- I reckon I have had probably fifty to sixty messages. What of your people wrong. were very excited about cold cold enough winning and oh. kind of proving me wrong. Yeah, I, I was definitely on that bus um, driving it and I uh, beat the horn a few times. Quite a few people got on it at the first stop. But as you'll find out, maybe you didn't prove me wrong. Well, well, I, uh, well, we'll get to the, We'll get there in a minute. I, I'm, I'm more interested in kind of, um, obviously, like I said, listen to the post race podcast. Um, I listened to what Jeremy said. I listened to what Calvin said. Um, it's interesting what they said about the track. And I seen that you both, did you like both did you riders. Like Jeremy saying, did you did you like Jeremy saying he was Team Lewis as opposed to Team Vlandering? Yes, I did. I did hear that. Yeah. Thank you. The fact that you're making riders now say Team Lewis is just Thank you. it's yeah. just very wrong. <laughs> very wrong. I was pitching, <laughs> just pitching riders against each other, just all here for the drama. <laughs> but um, it was interesting that both of them think different things about how the track's going to be on Wednesday. Well. It was kind of everyone thought one thing and Vlandering thought another. And Vlandering listens to his show, so hi. Um, he was very much alone in his feeling that the track was going to get softer as the days progress. But I kind of do get... I was surprised more people didn't agree with him because his theory was that the more it gets ridden on and the more back wheel was spinning on that hard base, it's going to dig away at that base and unearth more soft stuff, which actually makes complete sense. But... I guess it depends what you think is under that hard base. It could be more hardness or more soft stuff. But I think I think it's just going to get choppier, rougher, sketchier. As you'd expect, no different to racing seven rounds in Salt Lake. That dirt was just getting baked and baked and baked and baked. I mean, the mudder helped, but we're not going to get a mudder here. It's basically 28 degrees every single day. So, Okay. Has there been any... Um... Have you spoke to any about what changes are going to be at the track, or is it going to be the same track? Um, it's going to be the same track. We were at Kegham's the entire time we're here, James. <laughs> you were such a dick. Um... <laughs> <laughs> you know what I meant. Um... Oh, uh, you're just trying to be funny. Okay. Ha ha. Ha ha, Lewis. <laughs> the comedy club is um, strong. Um, the, as far as I can tell, there won't be many changes for tomorrow, but in the words of David Luongo, they have plans for the next Saturday, Sunday, being this coming weekend, to change two or three turns. Joker lane? To change the lines a little bit and open it up a bit. Because I'll tell you what, one thing, I've never seen Kegums as tough to pass on as it was on Sunday. Okay. What, okay. Why, why do you think... Build on that. Yeah, what, what, what were the reasons? Was it because, obviously, the track wasn't tight? It was just the way that they... What position the? I'd imagine it had something to do with it being a hot, a bit harder than normal and a bit more uh, sketchy in the name of the riders. Like obviously, if we come here in May, June, there's probably more rain in the lead up to the race, and it is a bit softer, therefore meaning more lines get opened up. But um, I can't remember who it was, but one rider did say that they could have done with water watering it more on Saturday. So yeah, I think that was Bland. I think Blanderin said that. Can I? Do you want to talk about Blanderin now or later? I could talk about it now. I was, uh, I'm not just saying this because there's potentially he's listening to it, but um, I, I think I said last week he was going to do well. I get very excited when something different happens, 
And that was it because genuinely, Paul Ann was holding him up like clear for all to see. You could not even have ever seen a motocross race in your life and been like, wow, that number 10 is much faster than the other guy. Like, if he gets a top five start, he could, I'm not saying he's going to battle for a podium yet or anything like that, but he could make enough of a splash to make people suddenly start mentioning him more when talking about the battle at the front and that top 10 group, I guess you could say. Like, the transformation was night and day compared to the first couple of rounds. That's, no, from from when I was watching the, the weekend, um, just looked really, really good. Look, look, just looked like a different rider. And I know that you kind of, he mentioned two kind of changes that's happened. And I think one's a trainer, isn't it? And another one's a suspension. The switch over yeah, to well, um, one of our show sponsors, uh, KYB Technical Touch. Yeah, you see the difference for the technical touch of Mate of Lander and imagine doing that to yourself. <laughs> That'd just be mind-blowing. Uh, yeah, I've definitely got to get my um, my my suspension sorted. It's definitely uh, holding me back now. So oh, um, okay. Well, I'm glad you've mentioned that because obviously the first GP in five months. I was hoping we were going to talk about your riding. So yeah, that, that, I'm, I'm actually riding again Thursday. So uh, oh. I'm going to be taking the day off, test some products, um, and obviously, uh, yeah. But unfortunately, the bike's not going to be ready in time for obviously getting the suspension set up. So I'm going to have to just. You know, just go with it. Not be a rider who moans about, you know, setup and stuff like that. Just going to get off after just getting that junior class in, and try and smash out 20 minutes of, of laps. So um, just going for fun, just for fun. No, no one's taking it serious. It's, um, it's interesting that Vlanderin's hired Bracker as a trainer, but on the bike trainer, I guess. I don't think he's working with him on the physical side, but as kind of a riding coach type guy, because I almost said this in the interview, but I felt like it was harsh. Flanderin's a much better rider than Bracker ever was. But, yeah. And but that, that happens that's a lot. That's a shit I thing guess. to say. And the reason well, why no. I say that's a shit thing to say is because um, that's like saying um, you're shit on a motocross bike, so how are you good at a jur- as a journalist? But the, the, the fact of that's the matter is... That's a fair is... comment, James. I completely... T- I take that on the chin. <laughs> <laughs> but... The fact of the matter is, when you look at football managers, they might not have been the greatest players, but they'd, they'd arguably be the greatest managers. So yeah, but this is one. But that's how I deal with coaches. And they can see stuff. That's what I was going. If you if you let me continue, I was going to say, but that seems to happen a lot, and I guess it's just rider IQ. If you've been out there, like not necessarily. Like I feel like no matter if you're that good or not, you can you can see things. You can see what you're meant to do but still not hit that level because your talent doesn't let you. But that doesn't mean you don't know what you've got to do. Like, I, I, like my brain knows how to be a much better rider than I actually am. Like, when, I'm, when I was riding around the track, I could tell my brain was going, yeah, you need to be in that right over there. But my talent was going, no, we can't get in that. We're going to stick here. <laughs> so, like, I guess that's what it comes down to, isn't it? Like, it's not that strange, but just, yeah. Yeah, I, I think. But people might not know who Bracker is, so you know, I would I, say his first name, but I will butcher it. So. Yeah, I, I would too. The, the one thing which I, I Heron, 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 Heron Bracker, Heron. I, I don't know. I think you should probably stop. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to start doing bird noises next, aren't you? Um, 
the one thing I would say is, is it's that ability to um, interpret what they can see as well to make the rider understand. That's one of the key, you know, the key things. It's, o- it's okay kind of knowing how to, 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 you know, what you should change, but it's actually kind of interpreting that and giving the rider instructions to change. In, um... Yeah, and the fact that Brack has been out there gives Vander in the trust, I guess, where when he says something, you're like, okay, you know what you're talking about. Yeah, I, you see it uh, time and time again with um, with coaches and riders, and you're kind of like thinking, well, why would a rider that good be working with a coach uh, kind of like that? And it, it is because, and the other thing as well is um, people relate to people. So if there's, there's certain people who can become a mentor or a, a guide, which um, it just fits, and you listen, and it and it works. So. Yeah, I was I was really impressed with I think and a lot of people were from what I was reading online a lot of people were uh, very impressed with Flanders' performance the weekend and especially to it was I think it was great to see who had, had done their homework and in, in, in worked on different things and like whether it's themselves or the bike or whatever and then came out swinging and then there was obviously a few riders which obviously didn't come out swinging at all so it was. It was an interesting, uh, I, it was a really entertaining and interesting first GP. And I think the second and third uh, ones at Latvia are, are not going to, um, you know, I think we're going to see even more changes, you know, as people kind of, some people are a little bit rusty. The one thing I wasn't aware of was um, the severity of, and I know we're chopping and changing, but the severity of Olsen's injury. Well, no one was aware. No one knew he was injured. Like, Sunday morning, no one knew about that. So no one knew about the severity, let alone that he was even injured. Yeah, but it, obviously it was hindering and quite, a, you know, quite a bit in the way he faded back. What in a the... fractured shoulder blade's going to do that to you? Yeah, it's, it's that's definitely got to be a bit sore in the morning. But he's... anyway, I feel like we need to address the. Which, like I say, we're chopping and changing. Yeah, we need sorry. To address the elephant in the room. All right, go on then. Do you want to no, talk? You do, do you want to talk about it now? Me in. Because um... yeah, let's do it. I'm you... ready. Okay, okay. Well, I, I, I'm glad that you spent five hours working on your defense because you're going to need it. Um, and I just hope that your defense is up to scratch because there's a lot of angry people out there. Um, I can see comments already from angry people who are just saying, Lewis knows nothing. Colden Hoff is not an opportunist. Where was the opportunity in, in Kegums? Okay, I'm going to talk in facts here. So oh, no God. opinion will be entering what I'm about to say. All of everything I'm about to say is factually correct, and you can verify that, okay? Okay. I'm going to have a drink okay. while you're doing this. Okay. Um, first of all, actually, okay, not all facts. This is opinion. First of all, that was the most impressive the Koldenoff's ever been. Scrap his nation's rides. Scrap his other GP wins last year, 2015. Scratch his um, first MX2 win in 2013. That was the most impressive Koldenoff's ever been to me. And I would have said that whether it won or not. If it had gone 2-2 as opposed to 2-1, I would equally have said he has impressed me more than ever because this is the first time he's been in the fight for the win in a normal situation. Am I right in saying that? Yes? Yeah, I agree. Thank you. Because last year, his wins came at a time when Herlins wasn't 100%. Geyser had all but packed it in because he had the championship. There's no point risking it. And Caroli, DeSalt, Fevre from Sweden on were all out injured. So this was a very different win for him as opposed to last year. Correct? Yep, correct. 
Thank you. And this is what I was saying in the lead up to Latvia was that we've never seen him do this. And you can't, you can't prove, you can't confidently state it's going to happen if you've never seen it. And people felt like they had seen it before. Right. So, so that's your defence? No, I'm not. I'm not my defence? I'm on line one of 27 at the moment. <laughs> so you... you uh, that, was the, that was the introduction to my defence. C- can I just ask, in any of those 27 um, structured statements that you have, are any of them going to say I was wrong? Well, I feel like I kind of said that. No, see, what no, did I, you think I, I said last? I, I don't think you said anything that resembled those words. <laughs> I was wrong. No, but last in your words last week, what did I say about Coldenoff? Uh, basically, he was a big dosser. <laughs> I never said that. Be truthful. What do you think I was saying about Coldenoff? Uh, well, first, I think for the first. 39 shows, you probably said he was an opportunist. And then in last week's show, you basically said uh, he's under underperforming. What? What? Yeah, because you said I basically... Said no, I, no, no, see, this is, where, this is where I get drugged back into Koldenoff chat because people misquote me. I said he was doing... At the first two rounds, he was doing exactly what Koldenoff does. He wasn't underperforming. He was doing what Koldenoff does which is four, fifth, sixth. Right. This is overperforming. This is out of, this is not normal cold enough. What's so this co- now oh, okay. is overperforming. Right. You can't sit here and go, wow, another classic cold enough win. Gee, how many times have we seen this? No, this Didn't we see it two is a new situation. That, the nations is, okay, this is a good one then, my defence. Uh, not for cold enough at the weekend, but cold enough prior to that. Paul Ann went 1-1 at the, the Nations in 2014. Yeah. How many people still talk about that day? After that, he won two GPs, 2015 Vulcan Squad and 2017 Vulcan Squad. That's it. But yet, Paul Ann's performance at the Nations in 2014 got everyone talking about how great he is, blah, blah, blah. Clearly, the Nations is a unique beast. We all know that. And can't be used as evidence as going into a normal season. Are you sure? Yes. Well, I've just given you a prime example that doesn't include Coldenoff. You gave me one example. A prime example? It was the most important one. Hmm. Oh, okay, do you want to run through your other 26? So, I said, that he's, I said that it was the most impressive that he's been in my eyes, and I think anyone would agree with that. However, <laughs> Um, <laughs> should, should we go for a break like, before this i don't know whether to just fall on my sword really <laughs> yeah it's it's really easy all you have to do is say i am wrong that's it and then we can just okay, carry on with I, the rest okay, of the show I will, I will i will say that i was wrong in the fact that did i say that cold enough wasn't going to win this year yes i did was yes I you wrong? did yeah he clearly he won yeah, you're wrong. However. No, there's no however. however. He won. You were wrong. It's that simple. Okay. <laughs> however. <laughs> oh, Stua was faster than him. And I don't think anyone was going to sit here and claim that and say oh, that Stua God's is going to challenge Hurlins for the title. If he was faster than him, why didn't he win? Stua was, fa- was faster than him. I would say Geyser was faster than him. I'd say Hurlins was faster than him. Now, full credit, he was the one who got it done. Geyser crumbled, crashed. Hurlins had bad start first one, crash in the second one. And Sewer 
had he not made that mistake with five laps to go, maybe he would have been close enough to make the pass on that last lap. So, but Holden didn't. Was the only but didn't. Cold, cold and hot. Rock solid. Yeah, and put in a, yeah, and put in a great ride. Cold so, was the only one who was rock solid. And and again, so so basically, everything you've put forward, it, it, it's really summed up with, I was wrong. Yeah, I'm. I said I was wrong. However, no, I you haven't. I still, you I'm haven't. Yeah. You you said. I said I was wrong. No, you didn't. You said, but tech and technically. So it's always well, you're never geez, like wrong, wrong. You're now going on to a different like. I might be. I, I am wrong, but not really. Wrong is an interesting word with many meanings. <laughs> All you got to do um, is just admit it. Everybody's listening. Just admit it that you were wrong about Coldenoff. I was wrong to an extent. Make the people happy. You got it wrong. I was wrong to an extent. Unbelievable. What I wasn't. What I wasn't wrong, but you, the thing is, you are now going to sit here and claim that Coldenoff's going to make a run at this title, aren't you? Uh, I'm not going to. It's one race. I'm not going to sit there. But what happens if he does a clean sweep in Kegums? It's not going to happen. I'm just saying, what if? It's not going to happen. If Coldenoff wins every single GP in Kegums, I'll walk home. <laughs> I'll swim <laughs> home. Oh my God, this like, would be amazing. I'll flap my arms up and down and fly home. Like, I'll do whatever. No offense. It's just not going to happen. Some of us have seen you swim. There's no way you're swimming home. You you might make it four meters. (laughs) I will will flap my arms up and down and fly home. It's not going to happen. You can't. The fact that you've just sat there and said that (laughs) proves that once again, everyone's getting swept up in a cold enough height. Four meters and the Coast Guard's coming. Brilliant. (laughs) <laughs> but the fact, like the fact that we're now talking about whether Coldenoff is going to sweep Kegums, means that once again we're all just taking fifteen steps forward. Like okay. it was, it was one GP win. It was the first time in my eyes that he's won a straight up GP where there's no question about it. There's no question about like there's no excuse. There's no he won that. There's nothing anyone can say. Right? Even you. Even me. I'm saying that. Yeah. Right? Okay. I've forgotten what my point was. You haven't got a point. That This is what I'm trying to allude to. You haven't no, got a point. Yeah, you point were wrong. All you have to race. say is, I got it wrong. He, he, did, he is going to win a GP this, this year because he, he has done. I, I may have got it wrong. I did get it wrong. Okay. Yes, I've said, I, I said that. I said that I said he wouldn't win a GP this year and I was wrong. However, the fact that people <laughs> are now... I mean, However... <laughs> No, but I'm, I'm taking the conversation forward from that. I'm saying the fact that people are now saying that he is going to win the championship and, oh, so exciting, is just a bit much. There's, At this stage, there is a lot let's of, wait and see. A lot of industry people and industry experts are all saying it was a phenomenal ride. I said it was a phenomenal ride. I said there was no doubt about it. You're not accepting what I'm saying with that. I, I think you but, should find, obviously, social distancing, but I think you should find Glenn in the pits and, and give him a hug, maybe a social distance hug or something, and just say, I'm one sorry. Thing I am interested to, one thing I am interested to speak to him about is, uh, I feel like Cold Enough doesn't normally get starts like that. Oh, so now you're basically cold... saying he's got, because of the bike, so it's not no, Cold Enough, now it's the I bike. I want to ask him, oh my God, <laughs> what I want to ask him is, is that down to the new gas gas? Okay. 
is like I'm interested to know if the new gas gas is actually because I kind of thought it was just like not going to be that much of a change. Is it really that much of a change where it's now significantly better out the gate? Maybe. But equally, would Coldenoff have won those races if it started fifth? Eh. Because, and that's nothing against Coldenoff, because Hurlings didn't win starting from eighth. Like, the fact this class is so deep that no one's winning from starting fifth back. You've got to get the start to win. Coldenoff proved that and did it. Congrats to him. Right. We, I'm just glad we've got the, you know, we've we got this over and done with. Um, get that camel off your back, Lewis. Uh, it's great to hear however, you. Oh. However, it is August. Yeah, and? Second half of the year. Oh, well, that's interesting because um, you could get a COVID outbreak and um, if he sweeps Keggins, he could end up being the world champion because then the rest that's of the GPs happened. are cancelled. I'm not sure how that goes along with what I just said, but fair <laughs> No, I just, I know that any type of, any, any talk of um, COVID and, um, and things being cancelled, uh, it, it gets you into an emotional mess. I'm just teasing Yeah, a lot you. of people tried talking to me about whether the upcoming GPs are going to be cancelled on Sunday, and I was just like, know your audience. Did you shut down? <laughs> yeah, no, I was just like, I just immediately was like, wow, you clearly do not know your target audience for this conversation, because it's not me. Did you do the same thing as when you see bears, where you just like... <laughs> On the granddad, you've lost me on that one. Yeah, don't worry. (laughs) Right, okay, okay, we're gonna go to a break. Um, I would just like to thank Fly Racing, Talon Engineering, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Yoko Europe, Prox, Technical Touch, Hinson, KYB, Kawasaki UK, Seven, and of course, Even Strokes. Um, great to great for a staff. We're live. Uh, have a look on Facebook, have a look on YouTube. Uh, if you've got any comments, any questions, just send them in. We got some questions coming up in Ask Vice Anything a little bit later on in the show. We have uh, in the next section we have this uh, rubbish game which Lewis came up with called Ask. Are you smarter than a birth? Stupid game. But um, and we were going to give Lewis some more shit about how wrong he is. So um, we'll see you uh, in the next section. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Technical Touch have been supplying KYB OEM spare parts and factory kit suspension in Europe for decades. Many of the riders you see on track in the FIM Motocross World Championship are using KYB suspension from Technical Touch. Whether you are looking for factory kit suspension or KYB spare parts and oils, they have you covered. Shop now at www.technical-touch.com. Yoko have returned to top flight motocross with a bang. The Yoko Vili collection is made with racing in mind and designed to be the lightest and most flexible motocross gear on the market. Go to yokoeurope.com to locate your nearest dealer or shop online. Talon wheels have been iconic in the industry for over 30 years. Designed, built, and manufactured in the UK. Talon wheels, sprockets, and footrests, and clutch baskets are used by professional riders like Jason Anderson, Zach Osborne, and Sean Simpson. Head over to www.talon-eng.co.uk for more info. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. 
Hinson is the world-leading manufacturer of clutch baskets, clutch covers, clutch discs, and springs for both dirt bikes and quads. Hinson products are used by many leading riders like HRC Honda, Monster Energy Kawasaki, KTM Factory Racing, and Monster Energy Yamaha Factory Racing. Shop for Hinson products at technical-touch.com. The MX Vice Show. Welcome back to part two, episode 41 of the MX Vice Show. I'm James Burfield. I'm in studio. Lewis is in Latvia. Um, hopefully he's still in his hotel room. Are you still there, Lewis? I'm still here. Hi, hi, hi. Fantastic. Um, just so the, the, uh, the listeners can get a, a picture of you, are you sat in your pants doing this podcast? No, that's no. weird that you'd want to think that, but fair <laughs> enough. Uh, this is part two of the show, which is brought to you by Technical Touch. Did you know, as well as being the exclusive importer for a KYB motorcycle genuine parts, Technical Touch are also the European importer for Hinson clutch components. Technical Touch are also presenting the second half of the MXY show, 
So show them support, uh, show them some support at technical-touch.com. Visit Technical Touch and feel like an MXGP rider, like Calvin Vlanderen. So if you want to have a change around in season, maybe you've just gone back to racing, it's not quite working out as well as you hoped, it's definitely your suspension. Give Technical Touch a call. I'm going to. So, Lewis, um, I, so can, can you just repeat these words for me and for everybody else uh, who's listening? Glenn Coldenoff, I was wrong. I said I was wrong. He won. I said he wouldn't win. However, I'm not going to just sit here and claim that he's That is the Planet Moto bombshell of the week. Lewis Phillips has actually said for the first time he was wrong. All the factory teams head to Spain for riding where the weather and conditions are perfect. You can too. Planet Moto holidays provide accommodation, meals, transport and more. An eight-day holiday costs just £845. Visit planetmoto.com to find out more and book now. That is your Planet Moto bombshell of the week. It's nothing else other than Lewis getting something wrong. So one, what can I say? However, I was thinking in that break, would it not be very is it not very cold enough e to win the first race back when everyone's feeling a bit off and a bit weird, like it's all a bit weird? <laughs> oh. You just won't leave it, will you? Absolutely, just won't. <laughs> is, that, no, is, is that not very cold and offy? Um, I'm not. I'm not going to uh, answer that question um, because you want to say yes, and no, that would I, technically be sliding with me. I think you should probably just, you know, quit while you're ahead uh, or behind, whichever one you are. Uh, oh, okay, brilliant, great. You can't even decide that. <laughs> so weekend. Um, what what was your biggest surprise? Uh, was it Vlanderen? Uh, was it Jeremy nearly taking the win? But obviously you've you've alluded to that before, so I'm guessing that wasn't a surprise to you. Or was um, it Hurlins not being as dominant as we expected? I'd say, honestly, I'd say there was lots of surprises. Well, not I wouldn't really say call them surprises. If I, if I'm going pure shot, I would probably say. But then again, I thought Vlanderin was going to be good. But I guess seeing him do it is another thing. So yeah, Vlanderin. Uh, one thing that did shock me is looking at the results after the race and realizing that Tixier was ninth in the second race. Jesus. Who knows? Clearly, you didn't know that. Um, I wouldn't say there were any necessarily big surprises because although a lot of people like didn't quite do the norm. It wasn't like so out of the ordinary that it was a shock, you know. Like we, that was the first time Sue has been in a position to win an MXGP race, but we knew that was coming. Yeah. Like Fevra hasn't ridden on a Kawasaki. I tell you, actually, I'll, I'll give you this. I'll tell you this. Um, Fevra was better than I thought, and I even said, like, if you remember, I was kind of saying last week that he could be really good. Well, I, I think you you nailed it because didn't you say that you, you. you actually see him get him um, top three podium. And he did. Yep, I think I did. So I'll, I'll give you that yep. one. I'll give you I that think, one. Yeah I, yeah, I think I did actually, didn't you did, I? You did, yeah. Jesus, I am boy genius. And I had um, um, Jazakonis, um, which put in a solid ride, but just, as always, starts letting down. Well, the thing, the thing is, I don't, know if I, don't, I don't think I said this in the podcast last week. Fevra was great in 2015, great in 2016, until he had the concussion at Matterley. 
And then 2017, he struggled with bikes out, and he never quite got back to that uh, 2016, beginning of 2016, form on the Yamaha. So suddenly, last week, I started thinking, huh, what if getting like Kawasaki and everything suddenly suiting him again starts to make him edge closer to that form he had in beginning of 2016 when he was phenomenal? Like, Geyser was unbelievable that year, but Fevre had... Fevre and Geyser were the conversation. It was them two, like, side by side, exactly the same talent level. So what if we... Like, if we get that out of Fevre, or even anything close to that, then that's really something for the series. Because otherwise, that's better than the Fevre we've had mostly over the last three years, which is a fifth, fourth, fifth, sixth place guy. Yeah. I, um... He, he looked good at So there. that's exciting to me. Yeah, he looked good out there. And, like, you know, you've got to wonder what he can accomplish this year if he's looking that kind of suited to the Kawasaki and, and things are going his way. Um, I'll tell you what also stood out to me with Fevra. Okay. I much prefer the font of the number three on his bike as opposed to Tomac. Okay, is that because you're anti-Tomac? No, I just think the slanted number three looks a lot better than the straight-up number three. Because I think the straight-up number three looks quite chunky, whereas I think Fevra's looks quite slick. Okay. Do, this um, is what was going through my head on Sunday morning. Do people out there agree with Lewis? Would you take the Fevra number three with um, Tomac number three? This is a very, very interesting point, which Lewis has just brought up. Jesus Christ. Um, one, one rider I, I, I kind of thought kind of snuck under the radar a little bit, uh, who we don't give enough credit to, was um, Patrell. Hold up, hold up. Well, you go in ahead here. We haven't talked about Geyser, Sua, Hurling, Jasconis, Prado, Paul Ann. We'll get there. Yeah, I just wanted to talk That's about not... Patrell for a little bit. We're not in a rush. We've got all night. Well, you might have all night. I've got to go in nice and tea. I've got three kids. I'm two hours ahead of you, so actually I've got less time than you. Um, we need to talk about Geyser. Okay, let's talk about and Geyser. Hurlings. I don't really know what Geyser's weekend was strange to me. Because in what way? It was it was really good, yet there were confusing bits. Like he won that first moto, but then at the beginning of the races he seemed to just lose the toe a bit. But then after four or five laps, he'd kind of bring it back up and you're like, oh, okay, there he is. I don't know if that was some I don't know if it was kind of um, you know, back to racing, uh, first few laps tightening up and then loosening up as it goes on and suddenly getting back on it. But I don't know. I there's thought... no question in my mind that he is just as good as he was at the start of the year and that form that he had at the first two rounds with coupled with the new Honda is a full-blown championship contender and difficult to beat. Clearly, some people thought that he just wasn't going to win at all in that year. Um, but I feel like that was his to win. And he didn't win. But I, I think that was, in my opinion, but I think that was just kind of a, a typical geyser. He was either going to go out and get 1-1 one, one, or he's going to go 1 and then have a big off, banks back up again like he does, and away he goes. And, and that's kind of yeah, what Yeah, but I'm not even did. talking about a crash. I'm talking about before the crash. What, like, as in fading back, losing a couple places? No, like, I don't know. I just felt like... I, I guess partly I feel like he should have won that first moto easier than he did, which I guess is maybe credit to Koldenhoff 
And right. maybe that's just me not rating cold enough. <laughs> that's another Planet Moto bombshell of the week. <laughs> wow. See, I've got opinion. I can I can go either way. I've got opinions. But wow. I'm, I'm, my opinions go exactly. I'm not biased. My opinions go where they go. Um, right. Okay. And equally, that second moto he should have won. He basically, we're going to look back on Latvia one as a missed opportunity for him if this title goes down to the wire, because. Herlins went 4-4. Had guys have stayed on, Herlins would have gone 4-5, which would have been, what, um, 18, add 16, quick maths? Uh, 34. Would have been 34. Geyser was on for 47 points, maybe 50. Like, making up that many points on, on Herlins doesn't happen much. And I feel like so that was a missed opportunity. But then at the same time, he was really good, so I'm like, brilliant, guys is really good, this is going to be good, but then I'm also a bit down on it, because I'm like, like, come on. At the end of the day, he was battling with Coldenoff, Feather, and Sewer, all riders he's beaten handily over the last 12 months. Okay. What? Uh, brilliant. What? I forgot that on a podcast you just say okay to everything I say. <laughs> You're just making a statement which I can't, I haven't got an opinion on, because... I I I just thought it was a, a a typical geyser performance. To be fair, I don't think it was a strange yeah. performance or anything else. I think it it had all the ingredients of a, a of a geyser ride, you know, great ride, win, and and a crash. Which I have no idea how he just gets back up and gets back on the bike, but does it? I reckon um, Geyser and Herlins will split the next two Latvian GPs. Geyser will win one of them and Herlins will win the other. I don't know which order that will go, but that's what I reckon will happen. Okay. Well, that's a safe bet to uh, to assume, I guess. Well, I lost, I've lost. i lost a lot of um, credibility after my bets last week, didn't I? So I might as well keep <laughs> you have, the yeah. road. It was really bad. <laughs> Your only yeah, saving grace was Fevra for the podium. Yeah, I'm just gonna, I'll stick middle of the road. Keep it safe. Okay. So was there anything... Are you literally just determining um, Herlin's performance down to what? I'll tell you this, right? Starting from, so Herlin started ninth in the first moto. And my immediate thought was obviously, okay, no biggie. He'll be at the front soon enough. Then suddenly I looked at the people between him and Geyser. And I was like, holy shit. Like, that's, that's not easy to get through. Which is what I was saying earlier, as in no one's going to win from fifth, I don't think, because the class is deep this year and obviously was deep at the start of the year. But I think because the first two rounds were mudders, Matt wasn't a mudder in the end on race day, but it was like the weekend had that kind of feel of, okay, this is a bit odd, like this isn't normal. Um, I don't think anyone quite realised how deep it was, literally, because everyone just put everything down to the mudder. So something happened and it was like, yeah, but it's a mudder. But that's just your automatic pull, isn't it, for anything? Um, so some, finally seeing everyone in the dry in a normal circumstance, it was like, Jesus. Like, I guess also we didn't have Fever in the mix at the start of the year, so that's another one. But it was, okay, we expected Hurlins to come from ninth and win the first one, but it was never going to be easy passing who we had to pass. And like I say, track was harder to pass on than has been recent years. Uh, I've got equally I've got a theory. Okay. And and this goes back to what I said last week when I said that I I believe that some of the, the team owners, team team managers 
would have told their riders, uh, if you've got an opportunity, take it. If not, play it safe. And I and I think that's exactly what he done. He didn't ride above his ah. um, to to a point where it was like, hold on, I'm I'm riding way above what he should be. I'm taking chances. I, I think he 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 done what he needed to do. Interesting uh, you say that because I thought about you on Sunday. Okay, that's kind of worrying. Yeah, because um, obviously you've been bat- you've been beating this drum for mu- uh, weeks, haven't you? Yeah. Every single rider's pit board said 110%, 100%, all in, blah, blah, blah. Like, there's none of that. Hurling's pit, in the second race, Hurling's was in ninth. His pit board said nothing other than the gap to first. That's sending a pretty clear message that you need to win this. Yeah, but you could send you could send a rider as many messages as you want, but at the end of the day, he's going to do what he feels he needs to do. And if I the track if the track was transfer. that sketchy, and it, I, I could have seen the hurlings of two or three years ago just literally just go for the whole pride thing. I've got to destroy this whole field. I've got to show everybody how I can go from eighth to first, take massive chances, and just destroy the whole season. And I and I I, I think. I, I believe from what I've seen sat in at home on my TV <laughs> that that's exactly what he done. You were sat on your you were sat on your TV. No, I sat at home on the TV watching TV. And oh. um, I was going to say odd. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, and I believe that's what he done. I think he played it safe, and I don't blame him. As if, if if this season's going to be where it is, and, and how many points did he drop? Was it five in the oh, end? Hurlins. Yeah. Yeah, to Coldnoff, uh, to uh, Geyser. See, I'm just thinking of Coldnoff as a title contender now. <laughs> what a day. No, that's a joke. I misspoke. I ain't there. Planet um, Moto yeah, Bombshell of the Week, number three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anton uh, van der Wetteren is saying, uh, these mudders was why Coldnoff didn't win the first two. There we go. So that is from the Prox Ace. <sighs> no. No. Okay. That's all I'd say to that. Okay. Well. Yeah. Uh, I guess. Okay. Fair enough. You can put whatever you want on a pit board, but you're talking about it from a team strategy point of view. That it was a thing going in of don't push, don't push, don't push. Every single pit board said 100. Don't give up till the end. Blah blah blah. Like, yeah, but it's it's ve- like, don't get me wrong. It's very easy for a, a mechanic to write whatever the fuck they want to write on on a pit board. However, I guess they could write. They're, um, they're not on the track. One they're, million to Nigerian prince who needs money. Yeah, they're they're not the guy who's on the track who's literally opening up and just like feeling that bike and just thinking, "Holy shit, that was a close one." And if somebody if they come around to do another lap and the guy's going, "We want more," and it's like, "Well, if I give it more, we're going to have an issue." So what do I do? Do I do I carry on being consistent and and you know? take this or or do i chance it i think it was uh i i think he kind of you know not saying it for the first time but i think he he had a strategy there of just okay let's not get too excited let's get this first one done and assess where it where he is that's my that's my theory anyway on on hurling's performance because no, yeah, because go on go on no you go on no i was just gonna say it just he just took time to get around people. And that might be down to what you said about the track was hard to pass. And maybe that played into it as well. But I, I think it all stems, it all stems whether it was hard to pass, the track was sketchy. 
or whatever, all these um, basically add up to what is the point in, in injuring myself or throwing away a championship in round three? Another point that kind of disproves your theory. Uh, first, moment, we did have Hurlings-esque, like, last 10 minutes, lap times dropped, and it looked like he was going. Yeah, I did see that. It just, it just didn't quite happen like that. But why would, you, why would he drop his times like that by going two seconds a lap faster than anyone else on track if that was his game plan? But maybe when he dropped, those, to... maybe when he dropped those two seconds, he was like, this is not worth it. I, I am I literally feeling, gonna... I am feeling out of, you know, not out of control, but at a point where um, I don't feel comfortable with this. Well, it's just, think, it's just, um... it's just my, uh, do you know what we need? We need a goddamn journalist in Latvia who can go and ask these questions. That's what we need. Yeah, I didn't see, her, I didn't see Herlins on <laughs> Sunday night. Okay. So... I'm sorry, I'm sorry to let you down. No, it's fine. It's I, fine. I can't be your hero anymore. <laughs> it was always going to be... Um, it's always going to be tough. Um, okay, so... Who, who do you want to discuss next? Because I'm obviously quite keen to talk about certain riders, but I, like, I know you like to do things in a certain order. Well, it's just respect, really. You, know, you can't start like, riders at the front deserve your respect. Uh, can we talk about sewer through the waves on the last lap of the second moto? Uh, of course, yes, because I know you got very excited while you're doing your post-race podcast. Did um, you see it? I did see it, yes. I, I've seen it you know, quite a few times each, you know, every, every lap. How, okay, brilliant. I'm talking about the last lap, so I'm not sure how you saw that quite a few times. No, I think he, he was he was pretty fast through there, you know. And I can see, I, I know that the, what you're talking about is what the last lap is when um, he went alongside um, and took Colden off. Uh, last lap of the second moto, he went purple in that sector. Oh, love it when a rider it's the goes best purple. Best time of the race. He gained four tenths on Colden off through there. And was two tenths quicker than he was on lap one when obviously the roll, uh, the waves were at their smoothest. Genuinely, I've never seen anyone go through that section so fast. I caught it. I wasn't actually watching him at that point, but I caught it out of the corner of my eye and genuinely was like, "What the fuck have I just seen?" Well, do you know what I think it was down to? What's that? Please hold. With an air oil separated closed cartridge design that is well known in the MX world. The KYB factory kit suspension from our friends at Technical Touch, perfected on one of the toughest tracks in the MXGP series, with all anodized internal parts and DLC coated inner tubes, internal friction is reduced to the minimum. This is what Jeremy had. By adding a mid-speed valve, the KYB factory kit spring fork can be adjusted over a much broader range. One of the extra features of this factory suspension product is a custom spring collar which provides more front-wheel control and increased comfort on jump landings. HTTPS, all the usuals, <laughs> technical-touch.com, KYB-factory-kit-suspension-info. What a URL. But I just... <laughs> that was Jeremy's ace card. Technical touch. Who says HTTPS when reading out? That's such an old person thing to do. Just visit www. <laughs> you are absolutely 
absolutely full of compliments. First, you called me little old man, or sad man, I think, at the start. <laughs> it was sad, man. <laughs> oh, I, don't, I don't even know why I bother. I don't... Well, there is a question coming up in the Liat Ask Vice Anything section that will make you very happy. So I'll stick around for that. Okay. 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 Uh, I'll, I'll stay so then. I won't walk we'll... out like I did last week. No, we don't want another five-hour break. No one's got time for that. Okay. Um, Sewer wins multiple GPs this year. What are you? Are you smoking crack in in the hotel room? That as long as we get the remaining thirteen rounds in. Oh, here we go. Two so GPs. Okay, so so if we get all the the, okay, yeah, right. Everybody's heard that. Lewis has just come out of another beauty. What? Sewer wins two GPs this year. It's well, fast. you've just said that Hurlins and Geyser are going to take the next two. So yeah, that's I'm that's about the, Latvia. Yeah. So that takes us down yeah. to, what, 11 GPs left? And he's winning yeah. multiple. So what's he winning? Eight? Two. I'm not, I'm not saying seven. Multiple? Say two? Multiple. What? That's multiple. More than one. Um, are you doing the math or are you doing the maths? <laughs> I'm doing the math. <laughs> okay. Oh, Jesus. Everything's um, better in America. They drop the S. So yeah. clearly the right thing to do. Were there anybody on a heater this week? Was, was there any heaters on track? Fun fact for everyone. Uh, I was at Supercross in 2017 and I tweeted that someone was on a heater. Oh. And that was probably the first time that James has genuinely lost his shit with me. I was he like, was we're, we're so not Americans. We are not Americans. So, he was so mad at me tweeting that someone was on a heater. Literally, I've never actually felt such genuine anger from him. Just, it was just like, we're, we're, we are not Racer X. Racer X do a great job. Fantastic job. Yeah, we're not Racer X. You're I, not American. No one's on a radiator. Anyone's allowed, you're allowed to, I didn't realize saying that someone was on a heater was an American thing. It is. Because no one in the UK would say he's on a heater. I Can you imagine someone at Fat Cat stood there going, oh, he's on a eater? No. No, they're not doing that, mate. Not at all. Ever. Now, if you're at Glen Helen and you're American all day long. I right. Don't, I, just, I don't agree. I disagree strongly. Okay, well. Okay, you don't agree that's with That's another bombshell of the week. Do, you don't agree with me saying Sue is going to win multiple GPs. Do you agree that he'll win one? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely will. I believe he'll definitely win um, one GP. I wouldn't say multiple GPs. Are you on about motos or GPs? I'm, I'm going GPs. Motos would be a safer bet, but I'll, put, I'll stick my head on the line. Yeah, I, I, I think he'll... Yeah, I'll, I'll go motos. I think he, he could get a GP win. He's got a... Yeah, you know, why not? He showed it the weekend. It's interesting. But not multiple. Last year, not multiple this year. Step by step. He said that last... He said that last year was um, that finishing second in a championship was on his mind a lot, and that stopped him from really pushing himself until he got to China. And at that point, he pushed himself, showed speed like he never has before, and also crashed because of it. <laughs> and he said at that point that a big thing was mass was kind of connecting the dots so that he's got the speed now, and then the next step would be finding the consistency to go along with that. Um. Based on Matterley and now here, I'd say quite clear that he's made that step. So as he further refines that skill set, 
I think he becomes more and more of a force. One thing I I was uh, obviously interested to hear is that he said he was really pleased with a bike setup the weekend. He said he felt really good on the bike. I don't remember him saying that, but if he said that in my podcast, and he said that in my podcast. He did say that in your podcast, yeah. Um, so that means that obviously things seem to be going well over there um, under the Wilbo warning. Sewer is big for Yamaha moving forward. If you look at it, Sewer is Yamaha moving forward. Okay. Hello? Did you fall off your chair at that statement? Or? Uh, no, I agree. I think, but... If you take Sewer out of the... Okay, we know Sewer was ish in talks with Honda for this year. It never really went anywhere, but it was at least something that was talked about once. Um, <laughs> um, had he gone to Honda, look at where Yamaha would be. Like, Yamaha, Sewer is effectively pushing Yamaha forward in MXGP and is their marquee guy, which they need. Yeah. But you... And that's only going to get more and more as we move forward, especially now Fever has gone. One, one thing which I was very con- excited but confused. Um, oh. All in, all in one go the weekend was Tonus's first um, performance in obviously race one, where he was, was he second or third before he crashed? Uh, he was third. I actually spoke to Tonus on Saturday. Uh, he's not got a deal for next year, and it's not 100% that he's done at Yamaha, but in his words, they want to see us race before making a decision. If you're Yamaha, does Latvia encourage you because you're like, he ran third, brilliant? Or discourage you because he went sixteen twenty five. But I'm I'm guessing that's going to be the the same sort of situation for Paul Anna, isn't it? Uh, yeah, uh, I, yeah. So that there's possibly yeah. so possibly two rides up for grabs under that. Yeah, Sue is locked year. in. Paul Anna and Tonus aren't done at all. Okay, not by any stretch of the imagination. And yes. There are rumours going around a plenty that Koldenoff is going Yamaha. That's talk, been talked about to death everywhere, including in the pits. Uh, Koldenoff spoke about it in a press conference and said he too has heard the rumours, but he hasn't. He isn't even close to getting anything done for 2021 yet. So those websites that are writing that Koldenoff has signed are wrong. Uh, Koldenoff was actually in talks with Yamaha in 20, when was it, 2018. Yeah, because he signed for standing in the winter of 2018, 2019. He was actually in talks with Yamaha, Wilvo specifically, not Rinaldi at that point, Yeah, um, for the 2019 season, but ended up going to standing. So it would be a little odd for him now to move across to Yamaha, especially considering just how well that standing thing is clicking for him. Yeah. But, but time will tell. But it's motocross. It's motocross and a silly season, so who knows? Time, yeah, time will tell, but um, yeah, your last kind of uh, uh, musical chairs thing, because obviously if Coldenough does go there, then that's one seat gone, and then you're losing either Paul Ann or Tote, like, that's what it all kind of comes down to. But yeah, um, you never answered the question. Does Tonus's ride encourage you or discourage you? Um, I think it... I don't know. I, 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 when, I, when I watched that ride, I thought, here we go, he's found it again. Literally, that that what he had sort of last year in in when we were talking about you know what was that special ingredient? What was the thing you changed? And, and 
which he actually never told you, did he? Yeah, he did. Remember, it was um, I think it's like meditation and all that stuff. Okay. I'd I think get back on get back on the old headspace app, Arnold. Um, Arnold, hey Arnold, <laughs> hey Arnold. <laughs> um, <laughs> one thing I was going to talk about was um, uh, definitely seeing little glimpses of what we could fully expect from Prado, because again, from what I seen the weekend is. He was he was in the mix. Obviously, he's just recovering from the injuries, and he need, needs more, way more bike time and, and and race time and stuff like that. But he did look good, and a solid seventh overall as well. Did wait, you, are you talking about now? Are you even in this podcast show? Yeah. Wait, you're talking about Prado now? Jesus, you segued across there very quickly. It just kind of it's just rattled me. Sorry. Um, did you want to speak more? No, I just I was I was going to say that obviously last week I said that I struggled to really, um, kind of invest in Tonus doing well because I, for some reason I just couldn't. I needed to see it in person. Uh, I was quite surprised that he a ran third and was so rock solid for so long in that first moto. Um, few people have said that him crashing is classic Tonus. Kind of isn't though because he had lots of he was very consistent last year so I don't think you can say that but obviously he does have a bit of a problem when it comes to injuries more often than not and actually speaking of which um, he said that the thumb injury that he obviously had at the start of the year which held him back through the first two rounds yeah um, that actually t- nothing was broken nothing was fractured it was just a really bad sprain and I think a bit of ligament damage he actually started riding again after resting it and then had to stop riding again because it was still painful and becoming worse from riding. So wow. who knew a sprain thumb could do that? But the thing is, you talk about these things, and it seems like a big deal, but over the course of five months, it's obviously not, because even if that's a month and a half lost, that's nothing in five months. Um, but yeah, just interesting, because I would have thought that little thumb injury would have healed right up with a couple of weeks off, but turns out it was a bit more of a niggling one than you would have thought. Well, can I, can I finally now talk about Patrell? Um... Yes. As you know, would you want, you were talking about Prado. Do you not want to talk about him? Yeah, well, I did. I, I kind of offered my opinion and I was waiting for yours. Well, my opinion on Prado, and you skipped Jazakonis, and Jazakonis, Arminas, that was not me who did that before it gets pointed out to you and you want to approach me in the pits about the podcast. It's not. I mean, you skipped over you. I mean, I it's basically what happened you. is Lewis has just messaged me and said, <laughs> skip him. Uh, I'm going to fight him on Wednesday anyway. So I didn't want to say it, but now I just just said that he just something about your really you're too tall for MXGP. Something that a bit nastier. So okay. Anyway, um, so as you know, I've been quite high on Prado in recent weeks. Uh, when I watched him in, you've been high on, on Prado. Yeah. Is that a thing? Yeah, that's what you. That's a saying. Okay. You can be high on something, like it's something... Drugs, like mainly, but not... About. High on Prado. Okay. I've been, high, I've been high on Prado lately, and watching him in practice on Sunday morning was just watching... Not looking at times, not looking at anything, just watching him go around the track, I was like, oh, my God, he's going to be so good eventually. Like, you've got to remember, again, not much prep broke his collarbone in the break and not at the beginning of the break either. 
only had seven weeks of riding since uh, the Nations last year, very far from 100% as far as bike fitness goes. But, oh, my God, once he figures it out, it, I'll, tell, I'll go as far as this, another Planet Motor bombshell for you. If you said Four. right now that Prado was... If you said right now that Prado was your pick for the championship next year, I wouldn't even bother questioning you. Really? I would go fair enough because I can almost see myself going there. What, even jumping over Jeremy? Oh, he's honestly, I think we're all in for I think the injuries that have kind of slowed his start to MXGP and put him seventh overall has kind of like slowed the hype train a bit. I think we're all in for a shock eventually. You are definitely high on Prado, aren't you? You're high on something. Yeah, genuine. Like, honestly, watch all it is with Prado at the moment is watch this space. Okay. Because big things are coming. I'm pretty sure of that. I'd almost bet my house on it. Right. Are you happy to um to leave MXGP there, or is there more you want to talk about? <laughs> so after demanding that we talk about Patrell for the last hour, you're right. just going to skip straight Shit, over. Yeah, I'm over it now. <laughs> Absolutely over it. <laughs> um, Paul Ann. Uh, Paul Ann said, obviously, um, they had EMX on Saturday. Uh, basically, Saturday was an EMX day. They ran as if it was MXGP and MX2. Okay. Um, so they had their two motos, their times qualifying. They didn't really flatten the track much overnight, as they shouldn't have. Obviously, they don't do that at a GP normally. Right. But it caught a few guys by surprise hitting the track for the fir very first time and it immediately being rough. Because, obviously, when they go out for free practice on a Saturday morning normally, yeah, okay, it's been cut up a bit, but it's not to the point that it was on Sunday morning. And Paul Ann mentioned that um, after the race as something that kind of... Uh, threw him off a little bit. That's kind and of made him feel not so comfortable. Led to arm pump and that sort of stuff. That's kind of a strange thing to say. Do you want me to read you exactly what he said? Go on then. We started on a track that was already rough from yesterday, so we had to be fast immediately. I really struggled with that. Got arm pump and was riding tight, so I only had the tenth time in qualifying. Wow! So the intensity then really caught him out. I don't know. If, I don't know if you'd say it's intensity. I, What's well, the know, intensity guess, from the track and what he's having to ride like? I guess, I guess if you want to, if your plan going into that free practice session, which is 20 minutes, so plenty of time, is okay. Obviously, it's your first time on a bike on the weekend, you're going to be cold, you need to warm yourself up. I guess going straight out into a track that rough isn't going to allow you to do that, is it? Because you've immediately got to hit your marks. Like, you sit, you know, you've been to GPs, I think. Well, I've um, been to Marshfield. You want to try and go out that? Go in, go out there, and in, in session three, first couple of laps, of first couple of flaps for free practice. Everyone's on the pegs, rolling around, aren't they? Well, not, not in Marshfield. Okay, brilliant. But, and I guess going straight out onto a track that rough would make it so that you're, you just can't be sloppy. You can't, you, you, you can't. If you're going through those waves, you've got to be committed on the very first lap. You can't kind of poodle through there half assed because then you will get caught out with it already being that rough. And a few guys mentioned that. Okay, thanks for that. So that insight. a bit different. Also, also something that came up a few times is, um, as I said, EMX had the full program on Saturday, and the EMX lines, as it were, were so embedded into the track that it almost 
a few guys pointed to that as the reason why it was tough to pass on um, Sunday because they were quote unquote amateur fans. Wow. And obviously, <laughs> wow is a bit different to your normal okay, but fair <laughs> enough. Um, and obviously, okay, uh, compare this to a regular GP. Okay, the EMX riders are out before then, and they've, as I said, cut up the track. But it's not to the point where MX2 and MXGP can go out, carve their own lines, and then they're there. Whereas, if, I effectively guess it would be like sending, and this is probably a terrible example, but sending a GP rider out on a club track at the end of the day, where you, James, on your KX250... Factory. Look at me acknowledging Factory, your life. Factory, KX250, you, like, Team Green. You on your KX250 are going to cut really tight like you're not gonna you're not gonna flow at all are you oh no i'm all about the flow so i'm fast outside lines berms in in the light in the lines that you would put on the track there would be zero momentum in those lines because it would be very stop start little stall little tip over to be fair most people use um Ran corners, a lot of people are tending to use now where my handlebars are dragging on the floor so they're actually using that for a run Okay, brilliant. But um, yeah, and obviously that's obviously there's fast guys in EMX, and you can't. But I guess there's a lot of lower level guys in EMX as well who okay, they're great riders, but compare them to your Paul Lands, and they are there is a big golf there, and therefore they're going to ride the track very differently. Yeah. Um, as as what, Jeremy Seaworth said in his post race podcast, it's the same track for everybody, bro. I like how you've listened to my post-race podcast once in your life, so now you just quote them non-stop. Brilliant, isn't it? Amazing what happens when um, I do a little bit of research. But I don't know what the answer, I don't know what the answer to that problem is, because what, you flatten the track a load on Saturday night? That does nothing, because then you, the track isn't going to get rough enough for the motos, and it's just going to be a... I think you just get on with it, to be honest. As Jeremy said, the same for everybody. Um, maybe they should spend some more time at, at Lawson's Formbury MX, because Marshfield is rough. Um, and I'm, I'm sure Latvia was sketchy, but you get to session four of the day and that's real bumps, people, real bumps. So just um, get on with it, I think. It, you're a professional. You've got technical touch uh, suspension. What more do you want? You should be gliding across there. Maybe give um, okay. a few little tips the weekend, Lewis. Wednesday, sorry. James. What? Benoit Patrell, go. Well, do you know why I was impressed? Because the team had obviously the news of Lieber retiring and that um, put them down to Benoit and bless him, Artem. And <laughs> bless him. <laughs> and let's face it, Artem's not going to spearhead Jackie Martin's team um, next year. He's doing very, very well. Um, and, you know, he's, you know, just, he, he is, you know, 32nd, the 555 didn't score any, any, any points the weekend. But for me, like being all, all serious, um, Patrell's basically had that pressure put on his shoulders because he has to go out there now and perform for those sponsors. So I think that's added pressure um, because everybody would have expected Lieber to be the, the kind of leading guy there at, at the team. But I think Patrell, I was impressed that he put in two, two solid rides and, um, you know, came away, was it ninth overall? Uh, really good second race, but the fact that he had extra pressure on him and and performed, I I, I think it was when you look at it from that point of view, I think uh, I I think he deserves some credit. Obviously, he um was really good at Vulcan Swad, which was a surprise. 
So I'm more surprised we managed to back that up. Well, the same could be equally, said. Equally, equally, okay. not not two tracks that you'd put down as Patrell tracks. No. 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 I agree, and that's what I, 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 no, I, I just think that the performance, um, I don't think he gets enough credit because obviously he's had a, you know, couple of, you know, tough seasons. So um, I think credit where credit's due. I think he's he performed well the weekend, and he's obviously he done well at Alcantara. So that's why I wanted to nice, give him some time and mentioning, me- mentioning him. So uh, quickly, quickly, um, I think Jackie Martin should contact Brent Van Donnick to replace Lieber. Really, Are you that impressed with his performance? Who Van Donnick? Yeah. Wait, he's a good rider. He deserves to be an MXGP, and I think that's your best bet if you're Jackie Martins. Okay, there we go. There you have it. But then again, I, I imagine budget's quite tight over there, and I'd imagine that losing a rider isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world. No, not if you've already got the money in. Saving the budgets goes. Yeah, depends if um, a team kind of, well, a sponsor kind of looks at it and thinks they've been a little bit shortchanged, but. There we go. Well, I think it's mainly energy drinks, isn't it, that demand a certain number of bikes on track. Jackie Martin's Honda doesn't have a title sponsor. It's not, it is Jack, JM Honda. So I guess they're a little free in that respect. Yeah. Okay. Um, DeSalle lost his rhythm randomly with 10 minutes to go. No real explanation for that other than he hopes to be better on Wednesday. Uh, he's staying in my hotel, actually. Um, he's staying in your hotel? Yeah, do you want to just rattle through MXGP quickly, seeing as we're almost there? Yeah, if you could give us a little bit of a lowdown of what you've seen, that'd be great. Okay, uh, Tixia ninth in the second race. Crazy impressive and first race as a team owner. Oh, yeah, forgot about that. Yep. Uh, Caroli was better than people were going to... Better than people are saying. His qualifi- he qualified eighth or ninth, I think, if I remember right. And he would have been higher up, but for some reason, Sector 4 was killing him. I have no idea why, but his times in the first three sectors were impressive and on par with the front five. So I don't think this is at all anything. I don't think anyone, everyone's getting a bit carried away. In the same way that everyone gets carried away with going upwards with Poldenoff, I think they go the opposite way with Crowley. Uh, it's fine. He did twist his knee in the second race in the first turn crash. And was limping pretty good after the race, but I think it's fine because he was practicing starts today and doesn't really seem to be like even mentioning it. So okay, I think so it's fine. That's not going to hold him back. It doesn't seem like it. I was expecting there to be more of a kind of. I was expecting it to be more mentioned after I found out about it. Um, Chervlin was crazy impressive at the start of the year and still is. Who would have thought? Yep. 14th overall doesn't look like much on paper, but he's definitely one flying un- under the radar, really. And he sh- again should be getting credit for uh, coming in his rookie year. Equally, I don't think he'll ever get a ride better than that. I think that, I think he's found a good spot there, and that'll just be him. I think, and I think that's the way it should be. I think that's I think that's good for him that place. Uh, STM course Yamaha, of course. Um, see what I did there? Yep. STM course Yamaha, of course. Uh, Van Horbeek was better than. His, his 16th overall shows, he had top 10 speed both times. Uh, Mitch Evans is coming off a full shoulder reconstruction and only rode four times, I think, coming into the weekend. So 
kind so, of expected. It's going to be a bit of a long road for him building himself back up. But picked up both uh, points in both races. Yeah. Um, Leoc had his 500th moto start in the second moto in Latvia. Wow. Congrats. I'd imagine he'll get his thousandth soon enough because it just <laughs> seems to be going nowhere. He's going nowhere. He's there for good. Uh, Bobashev had to get stitches in his arm after a first-turn crash, but all good. Otherwise, uh, Steri made his debut with Hitachi KTM, and in many ways, it was his first proper 450 race because he didn't really get much in the way of proper race action with the other team. So there you have it. He was uh, running Nicholas top Lepinci. 20 at certain stages of the race, though, wasn't he? Yeah, I think, uh, but it also he missed out on a lot of bike time in the five months off, so he needs to build up fitness, bike fitness, and all of that. So a bit of a road ahead of him. Uh, Nicholas Lapucci was twenty seventh overall. All you people rambling on about him after Faenza, as I said, yeah, that was a Faenza thing and an Italian <laughs> Championship thing. Uh, Valentin Guido, twenty ninth overall. That's me smashing the panic button. Um, <laughs> What about his teammate as well? Are we, are we smashing that panic button or not? Who, Van Horbit? Yeah. No, I said. His uh, 16th overall isn't at all uh, representative of how he rode. He's got top 10 speed easy. Okay. If anything, he did better than I expected. Right. Okay. Um, uh, Sean Simpson crashed really hard in the second race. Like, looks like he was in a world of pain uh, and has got and is fine. Is just beaten up generally. Like he's not got anything broken or fractured, but he has he has got a sore back, neck, upper body, so he's gone home already uh, to get checked out and is a definite no-go for the remaining Latvia rounds. Really? So he's out and of the next I two. See, and I see Monticelli has scored zero points, and I don't know what happened there. That's news to me. Well, Monticelli had a big one. So it was on the uh you know when you come past um uh, I guess it's the media center before you go into the way, you know the big corner where you jump up? And yeah. you, you kind of jump up and you go into the corner. He came down on the inside, but overjumped it and went yeah. big. And I don't know if he went, oh. if he had another crash after that one, but that one was bad enough anyway. What was that in the first moto? Uh, I don't know. I think it was, yeah. Mm. Yeah, Rob's just yes, giving me the thumbs up. There, I? Yeah, Rob's just giving me the thumbs up. I got back up. So, oh. Yeah. So, um, but I did see the crash and it was a, yeah, it wasn't a good one. But yeah, Guio, uh, Guio proving that maybe you can't just take a year out of MXGP and slot right back in. I don't know. No, uh, what was his results like at the start of the year? Um, less than stellar. Okay, well, not, not. But then again, he came off the couch last year and did well at Tushintal. So I don't know. I I don't think you should read too much into it. I read that Anton Gold just had a uh, bit of an off day, crashed in one of the turns, didn't he? Crashed in one of the turns. Sorry, Brilliant. sorry. Um, Ratings. He crashed in the first turn, the second moto, I think it was. He was caught up in that. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, a few, a few guys went down there. Yeah. And I've seen that Bernardini, um, he must have hit some type of water because he literally was just like someone just chucked brown paint over him. So he was having a bad day. Oh. Missed that one, didn't you? That's, MX, that's MXGP for you, in, in my eyes. Um, yeah. There we go. Uh, nothing. Nothing to stress. Herlins or guys that will win on Wednesday. Normality will be restored. Right. We're going to go for a little break. Um, in part three, we will be having uh, that crap game called Are You Smarter Than a Birth? 
and we will be going through your questions. Plus, I'm guessing you want to talk a little bit about MX2. Is that correct, Lewis? Yeah, that would be nice. Okay, what are you... That would be nice. Have you just walked off to the bathroom or something? <laughs> no, I thought we were... I thought that was you leading into the bathroom. <laughs> I didn't expect you to call... I didn't expect Come you back. To what are you getting? Room service? Jesus Christ. No, I went and got a bottle, I went and got a bottle of water out of it. Okay, how much is that going to cost? I don't think MX Voice uh, can I, afford that. I bought it previously. Okay. All right. Thanks to Fly Racing, Talon Engineering, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Yoko Europe, Props Racing Parts, Technical Touch, Hinson, KYB, Kawasaki UK, Seven, and Even Strokes. Thank you very much for the support. Without those guys, we wouldn't be here. So huge respect to those guys. If you get a chance in this little commercial break to go onto their websites, have a little look. That'd be lovely. Um, we'll be back in five. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Talon wheels have been iconic in the industry for over 30 years. Designed, built, and manufactured in the UK. Talon wheels, sprockets, and footrests, and clutch baskets are used by professional riders like Jason Anderson, Zach Osborne, and Sean Simpson. Head over to www.talon-eng.co.uk for more info. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Technical Touch have been supplying KYB OEM spare parts and factory kit suspension in Europe for decades. Many of the riders you see on track in the FIM Motocross World Championship are using KYB suspension from Technical Touch. Whether you are looking for factory kit suspension or KYB spare parts and oils, they have you covered. Shop now at www.technical-touch.com. Yoko have returned to top flight motocross with a bang. The Yoko Vili collection is made with racing in mind and designed to be the lightest and most flexible motocross gear on the market. Go to yokoeurope.com to locate your nearest dealer or shop online. Hinson is the world-leading manufacturer of clutch baskets, clutch covers, clutch discs, and springs for both dirt bikes and quads. Hinson products are used by many leading riders like HRC Honda, Monster Energy Kawasaki, KTM Factory Racing, and Monster Energy Yamaha Factory Racing. Shop for Hinson products at technical-touch.com. The MX Vice Show.
Welcome back to part three of the MX Vice Show. Brought to you by Fly Racing, Talon Engineering, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Yoko Europe, Rocks Racing Parts, Technical Touch, Hinson, AYB, Kawasaki UK, Seven, and Even Strokes. Fly Racing has redefined expectations in safety and performance with the Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring Rayon technology, conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's Advanced Impact System, AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1,290 grams, we believe the Formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the Formula helmet changed the game. Speaking about helmets that changed the game, are you still there, Lewis? Hi, you? Yeah. What did you have a quick shower in your room? No. No. Uh, room service? Do anything? Once again, odd. No, just just wondering no, what you got. Yeah. Get yourself up. What what you been up to? Oh, I mean, it was three minutes, so. Well, that's enough much. time for a few things. Okay, fair enough. Um, you want to talk about MX2, don't you? Should we just go straight uh, into? Well, I don't know. Should we just go I straight into Fernandez? Like maybe we what the hell was that? Would you like to do? I thought we were going to do your game. Well, do we want game? Should we, should we break it up a little bit? Let's do your game quickly. Okay. Because I've got it in front of me. Right. Let's do it. Go on in. Go. Uh, okay. Uh, yep. Uh, welcome to a regular game on the MX5 show called Are You Smarter Than a Birth? Uh, I would tell you all about it, but I can't find my sponsorees until now <laughs> when I've just found it. Um, <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> are you smart? I get such great value from this. <laughs> are you smarter than a birth? It's presented by Even Strokes, the newest arrival in the e commerce game. Uh, and they can cater to all your needs with a range of offers on Talon uh, with around 500 quid, 500, 600 quid. Gear, 79 quid for a set of gear. Can't get better than that. One grip of seat covers, Fox, load of casual clothing, shorts for this hot weather that we're experiencing here in Latvia. And all of that stuff. Anything you need can be found at www. As James would like me to say, as soon as he likes to tell people how to search stuff on the internet. Https.evenstrokes.com. <laughs> no matter what you ride or where you ride, Even Strokes has you covered. Are you ready? Well, actually, can I just stop you there? Because I would like to thank Mark Davis, Phil White, Naomi Plant, Declan Molly, uh, Dane Bradley, Gavin Hunt, uh, Valerie Griffiths, Phil White again. Jacob Brown, Aaron Sykes, Colin Dory, Jennifer Colvin, Max Langdon, Pete Norton, Jake Emery, Tim Grigg, Tiff Hall, Bo Thompson, Jordan Mead, Richard Fern, Keith Halliwell, Ollie Jones, Paul Byrne. Thank you so much, guys, for the T-shirts, for asking for the um, magazines. We've been sending out magazines with T-shirts and God knows what else. But thank you so much for the support. Without you guys, honestly, uh, we won't be able to do this. So appreciate Everybody who supports us with uh, MX Vice and Even Strokes. There we go, Lewis. Brilliant. You need four out of five. You've never got four out of five in your life. Can okay. you do it today? I, I'm, well, it's live. I'm feeling confident. And I've got two oh, yeah, computer this is screens. the first time we've done it live. It is, yeah. And I've got two computer screens in front of me, so I can just search. Well, I actually thought to myself that you might have a computer in front of you today, so I made sure to try and make it a bit different. Although the first question, you're definitely going to get right if you've got results in front of you, which I guess you have. Uh, 
I have now. So hold on, let me get ready. Can yes. You, can you turn those upside down? Because otherwise you'll have the answer. Okay, right. Okay, I and cannot video, see them. Wait, hold on. Let me just get the video up quick and see if you've done that. Uh, yeah, it looks all right to me. Right, okay, kids. Um, right, okay. Question one. Name four current Honda riders in the MXGP class. Uh, okay, Van Horbeek, Willow, Geyser, and Mitch Evans. Look at that. You flew through it. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Name the four gas gas riders in MXGP and MX2. Oh, bastard. Uh, okay, uh, Jeremy Sidow, um, Lagenfelder, Koldenhoff, and Monticelli. I'm going to need Lagenfelder's first name. Simon. Okay, that's, that's two out of two so far. Look oh, yeah. Come on. That's all you need. Okay, right. Um, I don't want to get too excited. Question three. Calm down. I need, I need Arnold Tonus's med meditation. Question three. Okay. Who has won more motos in MX1 slash MXGP? Sebastian Porcel, Christoph Porcel, or Ben Towney? Oh. Hmm. Motos, we're talking. Motos. Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to go Tangley. Incorrect. Bollocks. Who do you think it was? Uh, Seb. Yep, Seb Porcel with eight to his name. Uh, Christoph and Townley had um, six apiece. Okay, well, that's close. Okay. Uh, okay oh. you, need, you, need to get the, you need to get the next two right for a four out of five and to pass. Um, question four. The MX1 MXGP class was introduced in 2004. There have been eight world champions in that class since then. Yeah. Name five of them. Ah, oh, okay. Geyser, Febre, uh, Crowley, Everts, and Curlins. Look, look at that. Wow. I thought, I actually, as I read that out, I thought it might be a bit easy. Come I on. I suddenly realized. I suddenly realised that Hurling's guys are Fever and Crowley are immediately obvious for you. Yeah. But I'll give it to you. I should have... If, wait, if I'd said name six, would you have um, struggled? Was... When, when, when did Steve Ramon win? Yeah, 2007. <laughs> right, this, this is the first time that you've actually had a shot at a pass. Okay. But you've got to get this right. Final question. That's my drum roll. All right, that's a bit much. All right. Um, all right. Uh, final question. Yeah. Who has had more overall wins in the MX1 slash MXGP class since 2004? A, Eli Tomac. B, Mark Deruva. Or C, Tannel Leoc. Overall wins. Overall wins. Oh. Mm. You have ten seconds left. Mm. Tomac. It's incorrect. Oh. Who was it? Leon. Fuck. 
That's bollocks. How, so many, how, many, how many wins does Leok have? Three. One on Kawasaki, one on Dakali Yamaha, and then one on LS Honda. Hmm. Hmm. What's Tomac had? Two. Yeah. The two in 2016, um, uh, Charlotte and Bohan. No. He didn't win. Shit he didn't win game. WW in 2017. Shit game. No. You're so close though. That was. I'd say that was definitely your best week so far. But equally, probably the easiest I've made depression. Ah, oh, well, thanks. Yeah. I like how you give a compliment and just take it back. You know me. Right. Okay. Thank God we got that over and done with. One day I'm going to get over three. Maybe next week. I might. I think next week I'm just going to do the hardest questions ever and see, um, just see what you come out yeah, with. Of course, yeah, of course you are. Right, did you want to talk about MX2? Yeah, we probably should. You know? Well, we need to give some, some credit to Ruben Fernandez, who was so close to a podium. And neither yeah, of us even... even called that. But neither of us, I don't think anyone in the world did. No. Maybe, apart from maybe a couple of Spaniards with the last name Fernandez. Yeah. Dave, Dave Fernandez. Actually, one of the questions was going to be what country is Ruben Fernandez from, but then I guess you would have had the results in 20. Yeah, I, I know. I, I would have known that one anyway. Where's he from? Spain. Uh, I was over to catch you out there. Um, yeah, I have no idea where that came from. He's always had speed, like raw speed, but he's never had that much raw speed, and equally, he's never had an, even an ounce of consistency to go along with it. But he, he just and I guess he still hasn't because he threw it away. But he yeah, was but, to it. but he was on a track where people, obviously, riders were saying that it was hard to pass and stuff like that. He just seemed to find extra time. Just uh, was it one point he was? Uh, did he have fastest lap at one point? He had the fastest lap of the day in MX2. Wow. Well, I say day. I mean across the two motos, obviously. Yeah, times but... in um. Times in qualifying were a lot quicker because track was smoother, but yeah, across the two motos, he had the fastest time. Yeah, it is, it is an incredible, and incredible performance. That came in Moto Two. Um, it'd be interesting to see um, how he fares on Wednesday if he backs that up with another solid performance. I think that's going to be the key. Oh, you'd think he would because he was that good that you'd like. Well, why wouldn't he be that good? But then also, why would he be this good in the first place? Yeah. Like. Well, I, I, I was just. I, I'm not. Go ahead. I, I, I was just a little bit kind of like, just where, where did that come from? We, we, we had no signs of of this coming into the, this race. So is I'm it not something? Expecting him to back it up though. What? So you just think he got a little bit excited on the day and just knocked one out? <sighs> I don't know. Well. I don't know it's, how you just knock unlike... out a performance like that on a track which was so sketchy. I mean, it was 10th in the first moto at Matterley. Like, did, did everyone just completely overlook that based on the, no points in the second race? Maybe. Had he, had he actually gone 10-10 on that day, would this actually be no surprise at all? Well, 10-10 for 10th you know, overall, whatever, 9th overall. That... It, in we've already said the depth within that class is is pretty incredible. Um, that would be you know that would have put him on the on the radar, I guess. 
But the crash in the second moto reminded me of like getting double bounced on a trampoline. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, you know, like when you're coming down, just as someone else bounces and then it kicks you, remind me of that. Yeah. But again, he, he responded well. He, after, I, after coming off, you, you, I, you, you, you went at, with that crash, you wouldn't have thought, oh, that's it, that's him done now. But, you know, still managed to pick up points. Good points. I felt like my tweet about Fernandez was slightly harsh when he crashed in the second race. I said, "Like, oh, there he goes. He crashed. Surprised it didn't happen sooner." But he is known for that. Like, it was a hot. I felt harsh for tweeting that. But generally, no one expects it. Like, he does not just hold it together through motos, especially when he's running that high up. Like, there was no, absolutely nothing to suggest this was coming, or that even once he was in that position early on. He was going to stay in that, stay up there. Nothing at all, and there was nothing to even in the first moto. No way did I like dead cert think he was going to do it again in moto two. Can you imagine how much money you would have won, like in a bet, if you said that he was going to be the best place Yamaha rider? Do you I want mean, to know what's funny? I was thinking imagine that what exact the payout. Can you imagine what the payout would be in Vegas for something like that? It'd be insane. Just I absolutely think, insane. Uh, you probably wouldn't be doing this podcast show right now because you'd retired. Yeah. No, I actually love this. Uh, no, actually, I don't, I don't love this podcast show. I mean, I just, I, lo- I do love my job, just not the podcast. Oh, uh, in line with the Tonus question, would, if this semi continues, like he continues to be a top 10 guy, do you think he gets a look at any of the top five teams in NX2 being like your FNHs, your Kimias? Oh, absolutely. Your- absolutely. Really? Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know, though, because he, he had his shot with FNH, and I kind of feel like the fact that he was at FNH and has gone down to this level, I feel like once you've gone down that far, it's hard to get back up. Strybos did it, but then equally, Strybos had years' worth of results behind him. Yeah, I, 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 I do think that FNH probably seen something in the first place in him. Maybe he just needed to take a, a year out. Uh, and and do what he's doing now today, you know, take that next, take that step back up again. Maybe it was a bit too soon, but um, there's no doubt in the he's obviously got the talent, and and to be able to performances in the what he put in on Sunday was was unreal. It's just like I think it's out there with you know performance of the day, you know, all riders. Oh, easily. But Wednesday can go one of two ways because he either picks this up and goes fuck me, look at look at this. I'm a top five rider in MX2. Who would have thought? Amazing, amazing. And then comes out and kills it, knowing that. Or he sits on the line and goes, oh my God, I'm a top five rider in MX2. Oh, fuck me. Who would have thought this would happen? Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. I've got to do it again. Fuck. Uh, um, I, think, I think he's going he's gonna to go in there knowing that he, at, <laughs> at, you know, significant parts of the race, he was the fastest rider on track and was able to pass people. and. I think that's got to give him a lot of confidence going into Wednesday, you know, kind of knowing that I, I've got this. You know, I know I can do well on this track. There's nothing out here what scares me. Um, as sketchy as it I'm is, equal- I feel comfortable. I'm equally, though, um, I don't know what I was going to say. I don't know, but I was wondering what you were doing. Equally, I am equally something. Surprised? But I can't remember what I am equally. It can't. You can't be, you know, agreeing with me. Mm, what was I? I can't remember what I was going to say. Something about Fernandez. I don't okay. know. But it was. It was. It was a great performance. You know, either way. 
Um, I, I wanted to speak speak about Fernandez. Is were you pleased with the other Yamaha riders' results? Obviously, Ben Watson fifth overall. And um, wait before we before we do that before we do that the owl. Well, I think we both got that so wrong. Because last Wait, week, what did I say? Last week, we we kind of wrote him off. We said that he would not be able to, um, you know, he'd have the odd, you know, win here here and there, but we wouldn't be able to, you know, the consistency in in that's where Olsen would step in. Obviously, we didn't know about Olsen's injury. Oh yeah, injury. I did say that, didn't I? Yeah, you did. And we, we both got. I it need wrong to get cause... more consistent. I need to get more consistent with my opinions. Yeah, you do. I don't want to bring because, it up, but there we go. You got a lot of things wrong last week. A lot. Well, because I said at the start of the year, I was saying how Vial has a potential to t- do a Prado and turn this thing into a snoozer. And I was thinking on Sunday, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot I think that. Yeah, he can. He, is, he has got that potential. So now I believe that again. Those 154 of... days were not your best friend, was it? You know, they, they were I think I just went through the highs and lows quite a lot, changed my opinion on Depression. everything, and then I forgot. But now I'm back on um, denial. Now I'm back on drugs. MXGP role. I'm kind of remembering how I feel about things. Yeah, Vial has the potential to make this very boring. Gets a start. It's pretty solid more often than not. I think he made one little mistake. Um, went off track slightly in the second moto, but apart from that, he was pretty much rock solid. That was around the back where um he was too close to the edge. Well, that would happen if you go off a track. You would tend to be quite close to the edge. No, not necessarily. It's possible to just magically appear on not the other side of the track. But he took a line which what? was basically the furthest line and um, obviously just went wrong. Hmm. Yeah, I think he has the potential to make this, make, do a Prado and just destroy this. Because if you look at it, who would really think that right now Viawa sat on a 22 point lead? Yeah, that's pretty crazy. After three rounds. After three rounds, that's a lot. For him, for someone who had got one GP win coming into the season and had never even won a moto in his life because his GP win came via a 2-2. Well, that gives him kind of a, a moto, um, you know, DNF or DNS or, or whatever. That's given him a little bit of a, a cushion now, that not to press the panic button if something does go wrong. Well, this is the thing. I've said it all along. You can't trust these guys to be consistent, and Gertz proved it because what did he do? He imploded. Bit harsh. Wait, he did. Well, what? That's not even harsh. No, I, I don't know what happened in Moto One. But yeah, implode was probably a little bit, you know, a little bit extreme. He, I, I, but no, um, I think. Hold up, I know what happened. I've written it down in my little notebook here. Give me a sec. But Moto Two was a great call. Was a great, a great. If it, yeah, that's kind of got to be like um. The way he came back in the in the second moto, that that has to be comeback of the of the year so far to go from how he was in race one to how he was in race two. Yeah, so um, his roll offs broke early in the first moto, and he wanted to get past Vial so quickly so that his goggles didn't get filled in, and that is why he crashed the first time. Okay. And um, after that, he threw his goggles, and then. He claims he crashed in the second race because uh, in the second race he claims he crashed for the second time in the first race because he couldn't see because he's, he'd been filled in so much. Okay. But still, lots of riders have had goggle problems over the years, and part of being a champion is you don't turn that goggle problem into a sixteen. Yeah. 
Because you want to know what? This is my point all along. I said this to Olsen after the race. Obviously, Olsen's riding with a fractured shoulder blade, limped to 11th in the first moto. He gained five points on Gert. <laughs> and that's what this MX2 class is going to allow everyone to do. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's exactly as we, as we thought, thought it's going to be. There's, I think there's going to be... Um, I don't think Viao and um, Gertz are going are gonna to sweep the whole series. I think there's going to be other winners throughout the year. Van Moustak looked very, very good. Bawarami, he looked, he looked great. Uh, I think Watson's going to take one. Obviously, you've got Olsen, you've got Beaton. Um, it's, it's a stacked field, um, a stacked class, especially the top five. I mean, you could possibly see, um, you know, different top, top five, top seven. Um, you know, each each week, overall wide. But oh yeah, for sure. I don't think you'll see. I don't think you'll see the same top six in the same order once this year. No, no. It's it's they're all very capable of 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 podiuming. Is and it's going to be who's going to be the more consistent. I would say that right now, if anyone bets against Vial for the title, that is brave. Considering he has a twenty-two point lead at this time, twenty-two point lead, and now we know of Olsen's injury. So, and actually, when you think the out, we don't have that much like data because he only turned pro last year. But I don't feel like the out like is a crasher so much. Like I don't think there's this highlight reel of massive the out crashes anywhere. No, we 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 said didn't we? I think it was a couple of um, episodes ago. We had a dip in form. And that's the only thing we've seen is a dip in form, but that was it. He's not shown us. What are you any... talking about, Arnhem preseason, right? Uh, no, this was last year. So oh. um, last year there was a, I think it's probably about three quarters of the way through the year. He 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 just had a bit of a dip in form, but then he banked back. You might want to check that I'm correct in 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 that, but I'm pretty sure I can remember. Uh, it's fine. I trust you. I he, trust you. I, I remember he had a little bit of a dip in form last year. What um from from being there the weekend, um obviously the track. Who, who impressed you outside of Fernandez? Uh, who impressed you the most in MX2? I'd probably go with Brahma purely because I have this. I don't really. He doesn't. He never really enters my mind when I'm thinking about the MX2 class. And especially, I think I said it last week, okay, I'd probably think about him more so going to a place like Tushantar or Turkey or Fienza. Not so much Latvia. And he, third overall, 4-3, but he was like close enough to be considered in the fight for the win. Yeah. Yeah, he, he looked... So, and yeah, uh, yeah, good good choice. He, he, looked, he looked really good the weekend. Um, what about... Uh, Van Moustijk, though, you kind of expected him to come out in, in podium? Well, funny one, who would have thought that when Moustijk broke his um, ankle at Volkenswad that he'd go second overall in his next race? <laughs> yeah, again, a better man in Vegas. Wow. But decent. The COVID break definitely helped him because be he would have been in the right hole points-wise um, otherwise, which actually, again, how inconsistent is this MX2 class? Moustijk broke his ankle one of the three rounds that we've had and is seventh in the points. Yeah. I want to compare the points. Actually, it would be interesting to take the average amount of points across the top 10 and compare that to every other MX2 year because I bet it's lower this year. 
Well, that sounds like um, some a real fun um, job to do. Um, you knock yourself out in your um, in your hotel room there. Yeah, but um, it's. I definitely didn't expect it to go. I definitely didn't expect the Vial and Gertz show to continue here. That would have been considering the ultimate healthy. But equally, I'm surprised it was so much about those two. I mean, Fernandez was my hands down, you know, surprise of the day. Um, well, Rami, I, I agree. Uh, my disappointment was um, Hoffer and Muse. I, I don't know what quite happened to either rider. They just did they just have a bad day? I mean, Hoffer had a Hoffer crashed. Yeah, Hoffer had a fifth in the first race and crashed out of the second one. Poor guy. And you're just over here berating him. <laughs> yeah, probably li- probably being a little bit too harsh when you think of um... Hoffer wasn't a, Hoffer wasn't a disappointment at all. Okay, not all right. at all. Hoffer, did... Hoffer is still going in the direction that you would hope as a Red Bull KTM upstart. Okay, I think I think the problem is is because um, of what Vial done in his rookie year. You kind of expected, I expect Hoffer to come in and do the same sort of thing, but a, a fifth in a in a, in a crash. You know, it's one of those things, but um, the panic button's got to be going for Comrade at the moment. It's early. Okay. It's early. I'm I'm happy with that. Is if if you're you're the expert, if you're saying it's too early, I I'm glad. I'm a big fan. No, he pulled in, he pulled, I'm just he a little pulled, bit concerned. He pulled in on the first. He pulled in for the, in the first race because he thought there was a bike problem. He felt it was bogging or something. I can't remember exactly. And then second race, he crashed somewhere. I never saw it. I don't really know where it was, but his number plate was hanging off, and that was it. He pulled in. So not much to go off of, but I do think that this Latvian stint could be the thing to turn it around for Conrad because all you need is all you need is like a light switch to go off, I think. And Conrad can go fast for one lap. We've seen that over and over. Like There's been certain practice sessions here and there where he's lit it up and... Volkenswald last year, for instance, in practice, he was purple, 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 like yeah. clearly up there. Yeah. If he can do that in a timed qualifying session here and get top five, he's golden. Because even if he screws up the start, which has kind of been a consistent thing with him, starts are the thing holding him back. Like, when have you ever seen him start top five? Even if he massively screws up the start more than you ever could imagine, and he's on one of those five inside gates. He can just poodle around the inside. And there you go. Comes out top five. I believe if he starts there, he's got the pace to do it. Do it meaning stay in that group. Maybe he drops to seventh, eighth, but that's still there or thereabouts. And then I think the light switch goes off and that's it from there on. But you just need something to kickstart that process, I guess. Yeah. And I feel like this is the track that could do it purely because of how much the track... Uh, the, Start favors the inside. Let's hope. Let's hope. Fingers crossed. What um? What happened to Lagenfelder? For some reason, I knew you were going to say that. Um, that's a good question. Yeah, and one that I can find the answer to for you if you give me a second. All right, that'd be great. Thank you. It's okay. just that um, obviously um, we were raving about him on last week's show, and Neil Poir. Please hold. Oh, interesting, actually. On the Lagenfelder point, yeah. Jeremy Sado didn't race because he's been, he vaguely has been ill or something since 
Vulcan Sword and hasn't um, got any bike time. He spent like a week on the bike before Latvia, so didn't bother coming. Wow. And no details, but I wonder if it's an Epstein Barr thing because definitely doesn't sound like a broken bone or anything of that. Definitely sounds like an illness. Not COVID. Oh, no, let's not go there. <laughs> but just, it was oddly vague. Like, and even in the Gas Gas report, it didn't even um, say anything. But, uh, 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 be good for you to do some digging. Uh, uh, well, I don't really know what happened to Lagenfelder. He hasn't said much. Okay. Right. Yeah, he crashed, he crashed a couple of times in the first race, and then he just says that he got a great start in race two, ran ninth for a lot of the moto. Then tenth for a few laps, and then towards the end of the race, he had some problems and ended the race twenty first. Maybe he needs more Ladenfelders. Maybe. It also, might, it might help. It turns out that Ladenfelder is spelt wrong on live timing, and equally on the results. Really? Have you have you pointed yeah. this out? No, I randomly spotted it because I've always, from the very first time I've seen his name, I've spelt it going off of the results. And then randomly, I just noticed that him on his Instagram, it's spelt completely different. Maybe, unless he spelt his name wrong. I doubt that very much, but insightfully there. Okay. Um, going back to Olsen, I explained my theory to him after the race of, this isn't such a big deal, as long as you keep doing 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, that should be fine because other people will, the Vials and the Gertz of the world will give you an opportunity to claw back points at some point. He wasn't. He was kind of not having it. In what way? In that I was the one being positive. He was the one going, "No, that's it's going to be tough now." And to be fair, I think he's sixty-one points down, which again is a lot after three races. Yeah, that is a lot. But I still, I still think if he was going up against Prado, or if he's going up against Jonas, or any of those guys he's gone up against previously, it would be lights out. But I still think that you always have hope that your Vials, your Gertz. These guys are going to have one of those rounds where they just give up a ton of points. Yeah, but I can't see them giving up. You know, I can see them giving up 25, but definitely not 50. But, but all you got to like, give up 25, and suddenly that 61 is a lower number. It's 61 <laughs> minus 25. <laughs> is 36. Yes, well done. Well done, Lewis. 36? Yes, well done. Yeah, and 36 seems completely doable. <laughs> if he was 36 points behind right now, I'd be like, fair dues, that's nothing. Like, you can call that back. So I don't think hope is lost at all. Okay. One th is there anything um, else you want to discuss about MX2 before we move on to questions? Uh, Jed beat and lost the tooth. Did he find it? Didn't even, I didn't even know that there were rocks in Kegums. Neither did he, but apparently the one that there is out there uh, struck him. Claimed a victim. He's chipped two teeth. Um, and then weirdly couldn't figure out in the post-race podcast why he had swallowed so much sand that day. And I pointed out that it's because there's a hole in his teeth. Um, <laughs> or or, it, use, or it was his teeth. Who knows? Um, Nathan Crawford impressed me again. That's, that's great. Well done, Nathan. Seems like you're very much on the MXGP rookie streak of one good moto, one bad, but his good motos are pretty solid. Enough to the point where I would say he definitely gets another shot. Bailey Malkowicz or Mike Wazowski, on the other hand, yeah, um, feel like he needs to show something. 
because yeah. all I've seen out of him is him riding past pit lane clutch in his stomach for some And we've all been there. We've all been there where you ride past whoever's there for you and you want to immediately make it very clear that you've got a problem. So you're like very much like, oh, my stomach. We've all been there. Um, Bas Vassen's got like a back problem, like he's jarred it or something. Yeah. And quite painful. So nothing, again, not like an injury injury, but, you know, everyone gets a sore back. He's dealing with that at the moment. That's a bit painful. Uh, you bet me 50 quid that Cyril Gonneau is going to finish top 10 in a moto, and I'm safe so far. But a 12th is a bit closer than I like. Yeah, I was going to say, there were some moments when he was running top 10 as well, and I was, I was looking at that 50 pounds thinking, what should I spend it on? Uh, Stephen, Stefan, even, French, uh, Rubini. <laughs> yeah. I expect more. I think he can be good. He's never really shown it in MX2, but I think he can be. Uh, 17th overall is not good at all. Um, Morgan Lesbiado, still the most unlikely EMX 250 champion ever. Here's, here's a question for you. Uh, where do you think Rubini would be if he was in Biao's, um, on Biao's ride? If he had that Red Bull KTM bike, where do you think Rubini would be now? Not top ten, not top three, like you're trying to say. But you think he'd probably be what top five? Mm, no, top ten. Okay. Just... And I think he can be top ten anyway. Okay. Okay. Uh, Kevin Hogmo dislocated his shoulder. Damn. I believe. Damn. That, was that something like rough go. Was that something like the first lap or something like that? I'm not sure to be honest. Oh yeah, he crashed in the first turn. Dislocated his shoulder. So he's got nothing to show for his first year in MX2. And I hope he gets I hope a good team, whether it's his current team or another one, gives him a good shot for next year because I do genuinely believe he could be good. Yeah. It's just I, I, agree. I don't know. I've seen too much to understand. see how good he can be. Um, I don't understand how it can go so poorly this year because it was better than this when he randomly appeared in MX2 last year. So before we before we get to the second Latvian race, we've got so far what Sean Simpson, who's definitely out, and yep. I'm guessing Horikmo is going to be out. You'd think so. Yeah. Okay. Any any other riders? No, that's it. That's it. So we just we possibly definitely one's gone home. Um, could be possibly two. I can't see him wanting to ride with a dislocated shoulder three days later, can you? No, you think that would be a um, not a wise move. No, no. Okay. Are, are we happy? Are you happy to leave it there? Um, I think we should. Let's move on. Vial would be my win. Would be my pick to win again on Wednesday. Okay. Do you want? Should we do it? Do you want to do a top three Wednesday? Oh, I don't know if I can do top three. That's quite difficult. What, what? Fernandez takes all three spots on the podium. <laughs> You're a dick. Are we doing predictions or no. not doing predictions? I'll go. I'll go. Vial, Gertz, Watson. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Gertz, Vial, and. Van Moustai. Very safe. 
that's exactly what I think is going to happen. Cool. Right. I hope we see a swing because these MX2 stand-ins are starting to be a bit... A bit like, boring? Not, not as close as you would want three rounds in. Especially when we've seen... Um, especially when uh, we were talking about how this is going to be so open because people are going to take points from people. Here you go. Here you go, actually. The whole consistency thing of MX2. The what? Sorry? We have only had... S- the whole consistency thing oh, of MX2. Sorry. We have only had six motos. That's it. Fuck all, really. No, could you, could you stop swearing? Sorry. We have had six motos. Not much, really. Only one rider has finished in the top ten in every single moto. Who's that, Vial? Yes, well done. Great work. The one with the red plate would probably have that. Okay, well. Um, maybe I should get a point for that. that if you want to compare that to last year at this stage, three rounds in, Olsen had been in the top 10 every round. Blandrin has been in the top 10 every round. Jacoby had been in the top 10 every round. Watson had been in the top 10 every round. Um, and that's it. But still, that's three more riders than there was last year. Okay, well, thanks for that stat, stat, stat boy. Um, right. If you're done with that, I would like to move on. Yeah, you want to go home, didn't you? I do. And the people are getting bored of this. They just want to know what the questions are. Well, every, everyone will listen on the archive. No one's going to listen to the whole thing live. It's an archive. Right, okay. Well, we're there. We're at Liat Ask Vice Anything. Did you know that the Liat neck brace is proven to reduce the risk of serious injury by up to 47%? Did you know that it's highly adjustable to fit riders of all levels? Redefine your limits with confidence and choose Liat, the sponsors of this Ask Vice Anything segment. So, Lewis, are you ready? I'm ready. At Phil Mallins, Conrad Muse had a day off. Do you know the reason? Oh, sorry. Not a day off. An off day. (laughs) I was going to say that's a weird way to say it. I think he probably would have took a day off rather than, than, than do that, but he definitely had an off day. Do you know the reason? We discussed that. We discussed it. I broke it down. Okay. Thank you, Phil. Um, Lewis has already discussed it. And there we have it. Uh, at David Watts Brilliant. 8, any news on Sean Simpson? Hope there were no injuries after his crash. Discuss that too. Maybe we should do the questions at the beginning of the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, when was that? When was this? When Simpson announced? Was that today? Uh, an hour before we went live, I put it on MX5. So it was first on MX5. Okay. Cool. At Little Chris Cam, thoughts on Koldanov. Personally, he seems to be in the same kind of zone as he was towards the end of last season. Lewis, he's would you like to talk us through this? Oh, okay. He's in, a diff- he's in a different zone. This is better than that. Like, come, like, come on. Let's not compare his win in Imola to the win on Sunday. He went up against half the competition. It was a very different situation. This was a flat-out, straight-up win. No question about it. This, this was a very different win. This is like a new cold off. That was an old cold off. Okay. My thoughts, though, are that... I shouldn't say it. Wait. Oh, no, you should. You should. Sorry about that. Don't, don't, um, don't pause. Just carry on. Oh, no, I sneezed. Oh, um, okay. No, that, I'm not going to say it. Is that cocaine? It's a, stupid, it's a stupid thing to say. Go on, just say it. 
I don't believe it. Just no, I don't believe it, actually. No, I'm, I'd, I was going to say I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't win again this year, but I think he gets one more. Oh, oh, oh I can just feel the abuse coming. One more is fine. One more is fine. He'll get one more. Okay. At Weekend Warrior Blog, what were, you, what were your thoughts on the EMX Open? The lap times were pretty impressive when comparing MXGP, even taking into account the track degradation for the Sunday. Well, big words for you there. Well, thank you very much, Weekend Warrior Blog, for that one. <laughs> um, I don't really know about EMX Open tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow? Tom- I don't really know about EMX Open. You're probably not going to know about tomorrow because it's not happened yet. Yeah, yeah. I do, I, it's the whole the whole back to back races within a couple of days is not doing my brain a lot of favors, to be honest. Um, I'm guessing the track changed considerably from one day to the next. No, I'm, the lap times are relevant. Like, forget that. I don't know what I think about the class because at one like at one point I was like, I don't get it. I don't get a point of this. I don't understand. Blah. But then I was like, well, it's VMX3 class, essentially. And we all liked MX3. No one had a problem with it. I, I, I just think it's got to be marketed the correct way. I don't think you can just call it an EMX open class and leave it be. No. I think you need to market it as the MXGP support class. Yeah, MXGP2. These are the guys, these are the guys who, I don't even know how you'd say that. These are the guys who want to be an MXGP but aren't quite there yet, but maybe they'll prove themselves. Like, But then I don't know, because that's what you'd say EMX 250s at. But it is kind of like that, but in a different way, because if you're... Well, this is a perfect example. If I'm Dylan Walsh, um, if I'm Dylan Walsh, I'm Brent Randonic, I'm, uh, I'm trying to think of other British riders that would quite like an MXGP ride. Uh, for arguments, say, your Mel Pocock's people like that, if I'm looking to get a 450 ride in GPs, I would go to the EMX Open and prove myself. That would be where I'd prove myself. So in a way, it is very much like an EMX 250 class but 450 one. Yeah, I, 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 I like your idea about um, that class needs to be marketed by Infront as in MX GP2. That, you know, it is a ste- it, you know, it is the step up or it's, it's, a, it's a, a class where they could um, possibly try out what, you know, future rider is going to be like on a 450. Um, it's like basically you come out of the MX250, and if you're lucky, someone pulls back the red velvet rope, and you get welcomed into the MXGP class, or otherwise you get directed to the cloakroom, where you have to wait your turn. Yeah, I, I, I the kind of being EMX open. The the one thing which I'm a bit disappointed on, and maybe because uh, of COVID and it being in Latvia and stuff like that, was I didn't think the class. Um, and this is not being disrespectful to the riders, but I didn't think the class was as strong as it could be. And the reason why I say that is I fully expected um, a lot of people who didn't get a 450 ride in, in GPs to, to use that as a bit of a stepping stone. And we um, didn't seem to have it. And I'm not sure why. Maybe it's because... Um, and maybe it's because that, that, that promotion of that... Um, of of that class isn't as good as it could be. No, because I think it would be a very different class in Germany, France, Britain, because I think then the battle wild cards who would give it a go would give it a very different feel. And the fact is, actually, to your 
Latvian, Estonian, Swedish, your Baltic fans, that class probably has worked for them because those are all riders they know of and they want they want to see an MXGP. True. But don't get a chance. The fact True. that to us in mainland Europe, that doesn't work for us because we don't have a we have a disconnect of knowing who the hell these people are. Whereas for those riders, uh, those riders, if for those fans, when if it were at Matley this weekend and they were looking at EMX Open and it was your Jake Billwoods, your Jake Shiptons, your Ryan Houghtons, they would look at that and be like, I don't get it. Yeah. So it's very I think it's very much a country by country thing. Yeah. I almost I almost would I would almost say it doesn't need to be a championship. I would almost say the class would get. The class would work better if it actually wasn't a championship and it was just a round-by-round round thing where this weekend we've got an EMX Open class. Come and prove yourself. Oh, can we put some money in there as well? I don't get that. I don't get what you're trying to say. Prize but money. Do you, not get, do you know what I think? Because if you got... I don't know. I think... I think that would... That, that way, it would then become what almost it's... But then... But then again, I'm looking at it from that direction. If it's meant to be an MX3 championship, which it kind of is as well, like this is what I mean. I don't really, I'm not sure how to think of it. I'm not sure whether to look at it as this place where you show up when it's low close to you and try to prove yourself, or it's your place for your Martin Meechecks and people like that who, in reality, are never going to get back in MXGP, but just need a place to ride for the next five years because they know they still want to do it. Yeah, I think like, it's a it's perfect kind of, class for people who have aged out of MX2 and are not quite ready to go MXGP. But that's what I mean. That's great. Then equally, it's like the MX3 class and a place for old riders to go because they can't be in MXGP anymore. Like, it's, There's no way to police that, but it's kind of like a bit of both, and I think that's where the confusion comes from. Okay. Right, let's move on. It's an interest. It is actually a really interesting one, though, to think yeah. about. No, it is. Because there's no answer. No, it, it, again, the, the, what, what are the reasons for the class in the first place? Uh, at Ryan G437. Okay, not, we've moved we're on. not talking about EMX Open anymore. Hurlins didn't seem at his best this weekend. Is this a result of his concussion or just lack of gate drops? Do you think we'll see more of the same again in the next two races? I don't want to go concussion just purely because he was so good at Axel. I, I would just go lack of gate drops, bad starts. Had he started top three, maybe he would have gone 1-1 and this wouldn't even be a conversation. Okay. But then equally, you can't talk about Herlins that way because we all expect him to come through the field no matter what. Yeah. Maybe it's just a case of he's victim of high expectations. And we're going to get those um, these results. The fact is... We're all going mental for Coldnoff, going 2-1 like it's the best thing ever. If Hurlings had gone 2-1, we'd still be talking about like, oh, I wonder, that's odd. Well, he didn't so it's win. All, it's, <laughs> it's all a victim of circumstance. Um, okay. At Tom Neil 19 what the I'd hell? I'd just like to say, pat myself on the back. I feel like I'm making some great points in these questions. Yeah, I, I, I know you're, you're, you're one to, to pat yourself on the back. Well, I feel like I've suffered a lot this show. So you I'm haven't suffered. Well you, you basically, for the first time in your life, you've just admitted you're wrong. It's a massive in achievement. This, in this Liat segment, I feel like I'm doing quite well. By the way, congrats to Liat on their double podium and moto win at the weekend. 
that's actually quite an achievement for two brands, no, for two brands, for one brand to have two riders on the podium and then another rider win a moto who wasn't even one of the two riders on the podium. There we go. That's quite a that that kind of proves you've got a stacked lineup. There we go. You, ha- you, there you go. I'm glad you got that off your chest. At Tom Neil 19, what the hell has Fernandez been taking over the break? Do we see the we can work with speed concept player putting him with a shot on a factory team for next year? Uh, we've kind of alluded to that point already. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm off on this completely because I'm not even convinced. But I almost feel like the whole we can work with speed thing doesn't exist in Europe as, as, much, as much as it does in America. Like, you're, like Vial going to Red Bull KTM, I don't think that was ever a we can work with speed thing. That was kind of a let's see what we can do with. Like, I can't really think of an example of someone busting out the odd fast lap and like showing insane speed and then someone hiring them on. I guess in a way you could say FNH signing Harrop was that because he had insane speed at times and just couldn't put it together. And then I guess FNH fought with Daruva and that they could kind of polish him a little bit. But then even so, I feel like Harrop was always way more proven than Fernandez was, and like he was always going to get on the team because he was tipped as this next great rider. Like I don't, I feel like I don't know. I don't, I don't know if this we work with speed thing can be is as much of a thing in Europe, but it should be. Yeah, equally, I, I don't be. think Fernandez gets a ride. Yeah, hopefully there's somebody out there which is kind of looking at him, going, "Okay, let's let's see what you can do over the next couple of rounds," and we should be talking to him. The thing is, it's all we're all caught up in the moment. We're racing again on Wednesday. If he goes nineteen nineteen, no one talks about him again. No, no, that we're is. We're all the, caught up in the moment right now. You're only you're barely, only as good as your last race. Like if if Fernandez suddenly goes nineteen nineteen eighteen seventeen over the next two Latvian GPs, how much do you want to bet? I bring up his name in the podcast next week, and James goes who? <laughs> Yeah, it's not going to happen. Uh, at Simon Finn, is Blandering the only Geben Yamaha rider that got to switch from Solva to KYB or are Lupino and Covington stuck with Solva suspension? Do you know about this? Covington, Lupino is Solva suspension and he has been, he was in the Kawasaki days, so he's obviously happy with it. Yep. Um, Blandering is KYB with technical touch and Covington isn't Solva. 100% Covington isn't Solva. But, but I we don't, don't know, what, know he is. what No, because he doesn't have any stickers on his forks. And as far I think they might be like just stock forks with a bit of work done on them. Okay. Because I think that's what he liked, I heard. But that's, he's definitely off Solva and he star he had Solva on his bike at Matterley. Well, if you could find that out but, for Simon, that'd be much appreciated on but there's Wednesday. Just, yeah, there's just no stickers on his fork, which is odd because Blandering's now got KYB stickers all the way up them. Okay. And when Strybos switched from Paytech to KYB last year, he had KYB stickers. Like, it's odd to just have no stickers there. Yeah. But I did hear that they were just stock forks with a bit of work done on them because that was what Covington liked. But I may be way off on that. Okay. At Kyle's. But 16- yeah, Covington is definitely off Solva and Lupino is stuck with Solva, but not because he hates Solva. Lupino's quite happy with it. Apparently, they managed to Solva the situation for him. That is. That is absolutely terrible. <laughs> I know, but it's funny. It's, it's, it's not. It's not funny. Yeah, because it's terrible, it's funny. Okay. Um, at Carl 16 Richards, DeSalle appeared to fall backwards quite quickly in both motos. 
Are there any injury or fitness issues there? No, no, no injuries, no fitness issues. But I do think that maybe you're seeing the result of not doing any preseason races. Okay, so he's he's kind of uh, I hate to say it, lacking the intensity like the others have because they have been recent. Well, if you look at it, another quite interesting one to look at. Um, every single one of your top six Latvia pre-season race. So he's suffering from 154 days of not racing. Then again, Prado didn't, and he was seventh overall, and he's not even, and he's less than, he's further from 100% than DeSauer's, so maybe that excuse has no validity. Okay. At S-S-R-D-E-R-S. Will you be? Uh, <laughs> we're just spelling the. We're just spelling the names now. Well, it's well. Would you like me to say at SSR Durs? Yeah. Okay. That's whatever. What it's written as. Will you be updating the MX Manager T and C as prizes? As obviously a lot has changed. I.e., cancelled MXN, which was the first prize. Good question. Uh, yeah, we are in the middle of doing that. We we've kind of got the list sorted, but we don't want to release the list until it's all. Kind of all the eyes are crossed. Like you wouldn't cross your eyes, would you? Or no. until your all the eyes are dotted and your T's are crossed. Yeah. Um. But the KTM one two five still in there. The nations tickets are obviously out on yep. account of there being no nation. But we might be able to switch that to twenty twenty one nations tickets, which I think would actually be better because then if you win an ex manager this year, you've actually got a year to plan your trip, knowing you've got these VIP tickets. Um. But yeah. It's all being sorted out. It's an absolute nightmare. Just another one of these COVID things that's shit to sort out. Yeah, it's all fine. We're going to get the... So we'll, we'll release a, a list of all the prizes. We've obviously had to speak to each brand and each company, everybody who's kind of come to, come to us with, um, obviously, prizes, make sure they're happy. Da, 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 da. So that's going to be this week, isn't it? That, that's going to be released. Uh. It'll be it'll be this week or next week. We're just waiting on replies, and we can't speed up the reply. No, it is what it is, unfortunately. Um, but thank you for that. Memes doesn't know because he's not involved in MX Five. No, I kind of I I just see whatever's in the communication channel, and I kind of keep up to date with it all. Yeah. But obviously, as someone who is in the the running for some of these prizes, I'm I'm very keen to find out. Um, but then again, I requested that you not be on the video for the podcast tonight, and yet you are. So. Well, I just needed to get some screen time. Uh, it's all about your just attention, or aren't you? Well, no, it's just uh, obviously as being a factory representative for Kawasaki, uh, it's good for me to talk about my um, adventures on a KXF 250. So it was great to get, uh, you know, obviously the the bar drags it at Marshfield. If I manage to, if we, if I manage to pull some strings and get you an entry for EMX Open, would you do it? Uh, what track? I don't know, but you'd probably actually get black flagged, I'd imagine, for being a hazard. I, I don't know. Or a legend. Um, can you get a flag for being a legend? <laughs> I imagine it would be one of those things that would be a great idea until you do two corners and then I'm stood in pit lane going, oh my God, this was a terrible idea. Yeah, but that's all I'd do. I'd do two corners and then just like give it the, give it the, the hand across the throat. You know, we, we, we're, we're done. We're done. You know, the... The bike needs a 290cc engine in. Um, right, let's stop dreaming. Uh, at Phil EM68, what changes to the track uh, have been made, if any? 
Um, I said this, but I don't think there will really be anything for tomorrow. Uh, not tomorrow, Wednesday. Jesus, what day is it? It's uh, Monday's oh day. We're, yes. only one, we're, we're only one day into this this triple header, and I'm genuinely on the verge of a breakdown. Send help. Um, <laughs> what was the question? Uh, it was, what changes to the track, track have changes, been made, track if changes. any? Yeah. Um, I don't think there will be anything. Actually, tomorrow does work. It's an X race tomorrow. Look at that. I am on track. Um, I don't think there will be any real changes for tomorrow, but apparently for Saturday and Sunday, Jesus Christ, um, there will be two or three turns that are changed, but that won't be like rerouting the track. That'll just, I imagine, they'll put an inside berm in, they'll put a jump on the inside, they'll do something along those lines just to open up it, open it up a bit more and change Okay. James, would you like to save the next question and then I'll carry it for you? Yeah, sure. That'd be great. Yeah, well, actually, I'm not in Latvia, so I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm in the UK, so I have no idea what track changes are going on, you idiot. To be fair, it's a bit... And actually, bit, um... actually, speaking of our next question, which actually comes in just the perfect timing, at Kelton Guiber, can we stop James' abuse? Amen. Do you not want to read the rest of his question? Yeah, I know it's funny that he doesn't know much about MX, but still, hashtag stops James Abuse 2020. <laughs> Thanks, Kelton. So he's just completely, he's just completely backhanded you there, isn't he? Can we stop James Abuse and then abused you in the very next sentence? I know it's funny how much he doesn't know about motocross. But he's just talking about like Literally, how much I don't know about MXGP stats. He's not saying about my riding style. He's not saying about the way I ride. No, he doesn't mention MXGP at all. His exact words are, I know it's funny, but he doesn't know much about MX. Yeah. MX. He just forgot to put GP on the end. He's raised you up on his shoulders. I think what you need to focus on... Oh my God, this is amazing. This is amazing. And he's just dropped you. I think what you need to focus on is the first part, which basically says, you know, can we stop James abuse? This actually hurts me a little bit because you abuse me way more. That sounds a bit wrong. Can we stop the Lewis abuse, maybe? Like, or does no one care? What Lewis abuse is that? You always come out with shit. No, I don't. When was the last time I called you gay? Uh, Ages ago. Right, okay, let's move on. At MX we're not Quantum. stopping the James abuse because if we don't, if we stop the James abuse, what is the point of him being here? <laughs> so, at MX Quantum, do you think Glenn could contend every race and contest Jeffrey and Tim? Oh, great question. What do you think, Lewis? I no. Okay. It's one race. Okay. Let's let's see what he does. You know what? If he does something good on Wednesday, I might change my opinion slightly. I'm not changing my opinion on one race because you want to know what? what? Funnily enough, we're three rounds in and he's 27 points down. Okay. Okay. So if, if, if we continue on this trend, in, which includes a GP win, then in three rounds' time, he'll have one GP, uh, two GP wins to his name this year, but equally be. 54 points there. Do you know what? I'm, I'm just glad Glenn doesn't use this, uh, listen to his podcast, because he probably don't even, he probably won't even get out of bed tomorrow after he's listened to you. Uh, it has been said, but actually I inspired him on Sunday. Sure to be honest, I struggle. 
I struggle to disagree with that. You inspired him. Mm. Yeah. Um, here we go. Mike Hunt. Is uh, Mathis Bwarami underestimated? Is, is Mathis Bwarami? <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, he's underrated by me. Well, not by me. I'm a big you? fan. No, he's a good rider. Really? Yeah. You never mention him or tip him to do anything. Absolutely. He's, he's a great rider. No, bro, mate, I massively underrate him. I don't, I don't know why. Maybe it's because this is only his second podium. So, like, as we know, I like to see things before I run off. Um, yeah, you like to yeah, like, get cert, don't you? So, you? so before you're wrong, you need to get evidence. You need to get your stats yeah, package. I, 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 I I need to see, but then again, this is only his second podium. So what is underrated? But no, he's 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 better than I give him credit for, and I think um, people in general. But you want to know why he's underrated? Why is that? He doesn't update his Instagram. So basically, because of his Instagram, this is why he's underrated. Well, no, because no one he's not in the public eye. No one even notices. Like if I pull up his Instagram now, and to be fair. I feel like someone must have given Honestly, him a kick up, kick you up are the ass biggest because he's Instagram done stuff recently. Critic, I know. First, you were on Gertz's no. case. Now you're on no, Guarami's case. This isn't a content problem. Jesus this Christ! Is, do you do anything no, other to, than be on Instagram? To be fair, he posted. He posted seven times in July, so he got better. However, before July, he didn't. His he posted on the 26th of August, 2019. Him sat on the start line with a Honda, presuming he was at a race. And then next time we see him, it's the 1st of November 2019 with a Kawasaki. It's like, what happened in those three months? The colour of your bike has changed. I, I think this is your, your answer and where you're going with this is, is, is a really good like, uh, example of your expectations of people. So thank you, Mike, for pointing that out. I I think that if, I think that if, I just think that, you know, I'm, not, I'm not talking about me personally, but I think that for general fans underrated him, I feel like if they saw him more on social media and whatnot, then he would be more on people's minds, therefore more talked about, therefore not underrated. I think it all trickles. Okay. Thanks for that insight. Last question, thank God, and then we can all go in. Uh, Thomas Richter. <laughs> Dear Lewis, is Koldanoff's win finally enough to stop you from calling him an opportunist? Great question, Thomas. Now, this actually wasn't a question. This was a D this was one of the DMs I got. <laughs> Just to give you an idea of how, I'm, how oh. my life is looking at the moment. Any, if, if, if anybody wants to, to bench race, give Lewis abuse, just please go forward. He loves, he absolutely loves getting a good message. Um, is this going to stop you from now, calling him an opportunist? I forgot to mention this in my defence earlier. So anyone, anyone who makes it to the end of the show, you'll get my actual defence right now. Okay, is this... Is I this called him an opportunist. Two of 27? I called him... A, uh, I'm sorry, if you, were, if you were stood up in court and someone was giving a defence, would you talk over it? Uh, yeah, object. I call Coldenoff an opportunist. Object. Correct? Yeah, you no, called Coldenoff. agree with that. You called Coldenoff right. an opportunist. This is what the question's about, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm, I know what the question's about. Just bear with me here. I'm actually I bored because I'm doodling. I'm, I'm sat over a pen doodling. 
You're boring me. Um, I call I call cold enough an opportunist, correct? Yeah. I also said earlier that he does not normally get starts like this, correct? Correct. Correct. Okay, brilliant. Because he doesn't. I don't. I don't think we normally by taking advantage of these good starts that he suddenly got in Latvia. Was he or was he not being an opportunist? No. No. The, the defence rests. No. The, the defence rests. Stick defence at your ass. No one cares. Thanks, Thomas, for <laughs> the bringing funny that one thing up. Is, uh, I think I think I would just literally. I would um, like to jury. thank Fly Racing, Talon Engineering, Liat, oh my God. Planet Moto Holidays, Yoko Europe, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, Hinson KYB, Kawasaki UK, Seven, and Evenstrokes for their continued support. Um, that unbelievably, was, oh, this, Jesus this never Christ, happens. It's still going. What? Unbelievably, this, this never happens, but I've just given my defence, and the, someone in the jury, one person is on their hands on their feet, on their hands. <laughs> on, to, on to be doing a, on to be doing a, on to be doing a handstand in a jury. Not sure what that's about. I don't even know where you're going. Him. This is what happens well, when I've you spend too defense. much time on your own in a hotel room. Um, I, I'm just, I'm, I've just given my defence. One person in the jury is on their feet, giving me a round of applause, and there's a woman there with tears in her eyes. That's how much my defence just fucking rocked the world. Uh, if there's a woman I'm there off. with tears in her eyes, ask for another reason. That was Leah Ask Vice Anything. Thank you very much for uh, your questions uh, this week. Uh, Lewis, good luck on Wednesday with the GP. Uh, are you looking forward to it? Thanks. I'm not competing, but I appreciate your good luck. Yeah, well, we, sometimes we feel like you are. Uh, have a great <laughs> evening in your hotel room. <laughs> And um, don't spend too um, much on the, the minibar. I'd just like to say, I wish I had come up with, I wish I'd said that part about him being an opportunist by taking advantage of oh, this good Jesus. start. Jesus, give it a rest, show, will you? Because that was, un, that was great point from myself. Um, right. Equally, uh, thanks for sticking around. I can tell that you're eager to go home, by the way. That we're, we're, all, we're all eager. Anybody who's listening to this, they're not listening because they would have switched off about 20 minutes ago with you just talking, still, still talking shit and trying to backtrack from you being wrong. Okay. okay. I think Brilliant. The, the, point, the, point, the point stands. No one you cares. never disagree. No one cares. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening this week. We will be back. Uh, when are we back, Lewis? Uh, next... Well, we're only, we never said, but we're, the only reason we're doing Monday now is because obviously the GP starts tomorrow, so we didn't really have a choice. But I don't know. We, I guess we're going to be live every week from now on. Are we Wednesday night live or Tuesday night live? I think we should, I think we should change our schedule and become a Tuesday night live show. Why not? I'll, I'll just tell my wife not to cook anymore on a Tuesday because Lewis has just changed his mind. Great. Uh, we will be back some point in the future. Uh, thanks for listening and see you guys next week. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Evenstrokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Evenstrokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. 
Vinson is the world-leading manufacturer of clutch baskets, clutch covers, clutch discs, and springs for both dirt bikes and quads. Hinson products are used by many leading riders like HRC Honda, Monster Energy Kawasaki, KTM Factory Racing, and Monster Energy Yamaha Factory Racing. Shop for Hinson products at technical-touch.com. Talon wheels have been iconic in the industry for over 30 years. Designed, built, and manufactured in the UK. Talon wheels, sprockets, and footrests, and clutch baskets are used by professional riders like Jason Anderson, Zach Osborne, and Sean Simpson. Head over to www.talon-eng.co.uk for more info. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Technical Touch have been supplying KYB OEM spare parts and factory kit suspension in Europe for decades. Many of the riders you see on track in the FIM Motocross World Championship are using KYB suspension from Technical Touch. Whether you are looking for factory kit suspension or KYB spare parts and oils, they have you covered. Shop now at www.technical-touch.com. Yoko have returned to top flight motocross with a bang. The Yoko Vili collection is made with racing in mind and designed to be the lightest and most flexible motocross gear on the market. Go to yokoeurope.com to locate your nearest dealer or shop online. The MX Vice Show. Show. 